battle continues. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the 14th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matthew Paul Rohrbeck, alongside my BFCA buddy, nominations are out for the Critics' Choice Awards, Eric Marchand. Yes, uh, if you care to know my middle names, it's uh, Liam Michael. Uh, (laughs) How are you, Matt? I'm good. We just had a delicious... uh, meatless lunch. Yes, here at A and W. Yes, we both had the Beyond Meat Burger, and wh- I want to hear your thoughts. Okay, so I've been so to give people context, I've been eating uh, like a plant-based kind of trying to be healthier, um, yeah, or at least somewhat healthier diet. I've cut out meat. It's not mostly. for ethical reasons. Yeah, I'm not. A, I, I don't, reasons. and I also don't like to say um, a, a vegan either because I kind of think that's kind of. Yeah, like I hate that. Like I don't know, but again, I'm not trying to be better than anyone. I'm just trying to kind of be better a little bit for my own body. Um, so I've cut out meat entirely, most dairy products. Um, so I've been on this Beyond Meat train because here in Canada you can get them at A and W. You can also there's a few restaurants and there's a couple um, vegan grocery stores that you can buy them from. You just had one for the first time. I did. Thoughts. Um, if I didn't know already, this is an that, official review. Yes, of yes, meat yes. Burger. If I didn't know that it was a meatless burger, I wouldn't be able to tell. It was so like it's good, the, the right? texture, yeah. um, the consistency of it. It tasted like a burger. The only thing that didn't taste like a burger is that I ordered a whole wheat uh, a bun, and we and had, to, you had to have two top buns, buns too, because they put ketchup on it and tomatoes. I'm allergic to to tomatoes. Other background on that. Every time we do the podcast, we order food usually. Yeah. Or, um, and at, without fail, every time I order food with you, it's f- completely fucked yeah. up. So this <laughs> like, is either Uber uh, Eats, Uber Eats or Foodora. Foodora. Like the only one we haven't tried is skip like, the dishes. Uh, skip the dishes or DoorDash. So maybe we should go over there. If yeah. anyone wants to sponsor us, we'll order from you all the time. Um, and we need to try and find money to go to Sundance. Uh, <laughs> oh, you brought that one up. Um, but yeah, man, uh, how you been? I'm good. I'm good. It's you know the holiday seasons are right around the corner. I can't believe it's only what like three weeks left to 2018. Yeah, it feels like it's Which just kind of flew by, and I still like don't feel ready for 2019 at all. Like I just I want like two more weeks of of. I mean, two weeks, two more weeks isn't going to give you shit. No, right? I know, I know. But t- yeah. it just it time is different when you get older, right? Because you're so preoccupied by work and family, and and you get in your own headspace that it's kind of Matt is slowly adjusting the gain. On, no, uh, I wasn't sure mic. what I had going um, on. But yeah, man, Chris I feel Gaines. you. <laughs> this year's gone by very, very quickly, and I feel like the older we get, the quicker time kind of yeah. passes. We'll but soon be dead. Been, uh, soon it'll be the Oscars. Soon it'll be we'll be talking about 2019 movies and what are the front runners coming out of Sundance and and, yeah. and things like that. We'll soon and, be talking about the Mule. Um, yeah, which is this <laughs> this week. Yeah, um, we might review that. Uh, stay tuned. We have to. We have. I, to I feel review like we it. have to. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's good, man. Yeah, it's the holidays are always fun, but also a. Uh, uh, interesting weird time where you start reflecting on the year and I'll, i always forget like black panther was this year and some of the shit we saw in january i don't even remember but i'm sure i'm just I'll, so I'll... grateful for something like paddington 2 that kind of kept me right. going through the spring and also black panther and annihilation for those you know movies that were released <laughs> later on that kind of 
you know, keep your spirits up for the the year ahead and, and sort of getting through all the crap that the studios dump out in those first <laughs> few months. Because, yeah. you know, you, you, you review them and you go in there and you try to, you know, put your best foot forward. But at the same time, you have to realize that, you know, the, those movies are being released at a certain time strategically because any other time of the year they probably wouldn't work or be able to... It's a dumping. Money. It's a dumping ground. Yeah. yeah, but then there are those odd things like Paddington Two. Or I'm, I'm hoping with um, Glass this year too to be kind of um, yeah, or uh, or even uh, or the kid year, who I would guess. be king as well <laughs> because it's directed by Joe Cornish. Like, there's a couple things here and there, but again, you don't want to put all your hopes or expectations on that either, and 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 think that like oh, this is going to be good. You know, you want to just go in there with a a clean slate and just watch the movie and appreciate it on its own merits and meet it at its own terms yeah and we'll be going through in the next couple weeks you'll see in the next couple episodes that we'll be doing a a year in review with our top uh films of the year and then we'll also be doing a 2019 preview for stay tuned for that but yeah like what we um, want like what we're most looking forward to in the year 2019 oh boy um if you guys didn't know this is the untitled movie podcast each and every week eric and i kind of get together and uh uh shoot the shit about movies and talk about news and trailers and whatever the hell we've been watching lately um you can get it every week usually monday or tuesdays right (laughs) um early uh early on on monday or tuesdays depending on when eric and i can get together um we do this every week though or we try to um this is a, a long conversational style podcast but if you want something maybe a bit shorter and uh to the point or bite-sized uh however you want to put it uh we also do another podcast called untitled movie reviews where eric and i get together and review um kind of an upcoming or new release films that are in cinemas or on netflix or on streaming right now so uh, if you want to check that out um both podcasts are available on um all your favorite podcast services so just search untitled movie uh podcast or untitled movie reviews and if you're listening to this i'm sure you've already uh maybe done that yes and 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 if you're not uh listening to uh the bite-sized reviews we have new ones up for the house that jack built and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yes, and we have a, a jam-packed schedule for the kind of end of the year. We'll have tons of reviews. So we have, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, Spider-Verse and, and, and Jack. Um, Which you can uh, listen to probably right now. You can, please do. They were uh, uh, both very good discussions. And then um, we'll also have reviews for Mary Poppins Returns, as well as Bumblebee and Vice and hopefully The Mule. And uh, a few other things um, rounding out. I hope Clint Eastwood will show up for a real discussion. <laughs> yes, I've invited him. I haven't yeah. heard back yet, though. I don't know if he has email. Um, so thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, we really appreciate all the kind of um, people. Uh, our buddy Andrew bumped into us at uh, the house that Jack built, um, mentioned that he was listening. Yeah, it's a fellow luminary. And, uh, uh, I think uh, a couple other critic friends of ours have been seen us because we're attached at the hip and said that they were listening to us on the way to screenings and things like that so we just really appreciate everyone kind of um reaching out and 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 letting us know what they think yes and there are no refunds and yeah and the other big news (laughs) is that's kind of cool for us that we got uh accredited for the first time through the untitled movie podcast yeah you 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 hinted that at the top top, we were accredited for sundance and and berlin we're we're waiting to hear back uh one thing for berlin but um, 
that's just if I don't know. It's it feels really cool for this thing that we started just a few months ago. And I mean, I know it's kind of a legacy podcast. It's basically the same fucking thing we've been we did five years ago or right. whatever. But and we've been um, in the industry or, or you for ten years, me for thirteen, okay. or ten well ten plus years. Yeah. I'm just trying to come be on. Even. <laughs> Give uh, me those thirteen. Uh, those first three didn't count. Okay, um, and me for close. A little less than that, but it's getting there. It's weird. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've been either casually writing about movies or talking about them for for uh, a long time and professionally on and off for the last at least seven years, probably, and um, or more. Uh, it just feels really cool because as much as I've been accredited for TIFF through other outlets and things like that, like it just feels cool to put our own application in and, and through our own thing we created and, and someone come back and be like, yes, we would love for you to cover our festival and, and get a yeah. press badge. So Even being rejected is nice, uh, it's too. Nice. Because, because like, it's it's like, South again, by they, Southwest came back yeah. and they were like, well, sorry, guys, we can't accreditate you, but like we would like you guys to come. So they offer you different like the incentives and, and different discounts for you to come as press, even though if you might have to buy an industry badge or something like yeah. that. But. It's, it's nice also to know that, you know, a younger generation is, is being considered now. Right. Um, for opportunities to cover festivals such as this, because and a diverse group. Of yeah, people exactly. Too, right? Not and necessarily saying that we're part of that, but it is cool to see that TIFF has those initiatives and Sundance and yeah. everyone, and that Jeff Wells doesn't get a credit. Right, right, anymore, right. Fuck that guy. <laughs> You're uh, not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, I, the less time we talk about him, the better. I'm not going to focus mean, on is, it at all. But he is a human parasite. Yeah, so so um, I have no problem uh, voicing that on this. But anyways, I thought that was cool. Well, stay tuned for more info on that. Uh, Eric and I would love to go. We're just trying to uh, work out the logistics yeah, and figure very, out financially. It's, it's if kind we of can last do it. minute, yeah. Now, right? Like we, I wish it's good to know now that like potentially we could go to Sundance in the future. So I, if we can make it work, we we will go, and you'll have reviews for tons and tons of things if we do end up going. And we are going to try our hardest to go there, but only if it kind of makes sense for both of us but the thing we've both talked about that i think we can publicly talk about on here is that we love doing tiff every year we would love to do at least maybe one other festival like right. and maybe do a different one every year or test out a few different ones so it just it, it becomes expensive and as as people know um film criticism the pay isn't quite as you might want it to be. Yeah, you're not. You're definitely um, not doing it for, for the finances. The, yeah, you're not doing it because you'll be a, a rich uh, man or woman um, when you're a film critic. Uh, uh, some are, but I right. mean. Uh, yeah, anyways, but um, I would love to. Sundance is one that I've always wanted to go to. Berlin would be cool because I love Europe. Can even. Can would be amazing. We'll see. The can is so small as well, like in terms yeah. of just like finding a place, and you have to prepare like a year in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, even for people that are coming to Toronto, I mean, we, we take that for, for, for granted, granted because yeah. we're in the area and we don't have to worry about it so much, but it is still expensive to, to fly internationally. Oh, I, uh, we are the luckiest dudes on the planet for being in a city that has potentially one of the best film festivals in the world, right? Yeah. Like, if not number one in that top couple. Um so I think that's why I haven't probably... I've gone to New York. We went to New York this past year just for the one movie. Um, but it, it would be really, really cool to go internationally, whether it's Sundance or South by Southwest or Cannes or Berlin or something like that. So stay tuned on that. Um, what have you been watching, man? What's uh... I, I've been watching... Uh... 
a lot of trash yeah. uh, recently, and, and one great movie. Same kind of. But. Yeah, I mean, it's this—it's the season now where things are starting to wind down in terms of new releases and um, you know movies that you have to watch for awards consideration and stuff like Especially that. Especially for you for when you're voting just passed. We'll talk about that Yeah, later. yeah, and so it's kind of mm-hmm. nice to either just go out again to the movies and see something that you know you can turn your mind off for a couple of hours and i used you know like scene points so i didn't spend (laughs) money technically um to go and see uh the new reimagining of robin hood Uh, finally it yes what a masterwork that is um through the whole film i was just thinking like everyone looks like they were in some sort of like calvin klein ad or something like that or like the wardrobe was like overly stylized yeah like or... everybody had plunging v-necks and it's just it's like that really awkward um uh, ad we saw before uh bumblebee yeah remember yeah anyways <laughs> that was really awkward and weird it was just very sexual there were children in it the was audience so sexual like it was just so sexual what was, was it something... for it was like a cologne or something yeah it was a cologne and it was some dude with some fucking eight pack abs but like and then he like takes off his pants and all the girls behind like a two-way mirror go ooh. And i'm just like this is very weird to and show problematic right now. and remember there was like 17 minutes uh, that's another thing we'll, we'll get into that once we check out our bumblebee review and maybe we'll talk about it there or maybe i'll talk about it here i don't know it's probably not the best place for the bumblebee review right but. yeah i mean i don't really have much to say about robin hood robin yeah. hood with the exception that it's basically mimicking the dark knight and that's also, what everyone, i've heard everyone and also say, yeah. christopher nolan's style in general like even the score sounds like something han zimmer would have done yeah um and <laughs> so it's a bad chris nolan imitation oh it sure is and it also has a like just a light sprinkling of guy Ritchie in there as well for for good measure and honestly like it's just it's a movie that feels like it's dead on arrival and it's just going through the motions of creating an origin story for a character that has been best portrayed either by a cartoon fox (laughs) or uh uh, earl flynn yeah you know like it's or rocket robin hood you know in the cartoon series from the from the 70s um why do they keep why do they keep because trying? one day matt one it'll day work? it'll work because it's the same thing with king arthur you know like they, is it because it's in the public domain and anyone can yes. make a movie on it yeah like... and, and and again when the formula does eventually work or if one of them hits the studio will have a franchise so they sure. can continue but it's but... just kind of you know at this point you know uh throwing a dart at the at the wall or and hope, an arrow or an arrow and hoping that it'll it'll stick yeah and you know you look at ridley scott's robin hood or uh the one with kevin costner and morgan freeman to to this like it just feels like there's no real interest in in a robin hood movie and and i know that there's also been a maid marion script been kicking around for a couple years now that i think margot robbie's still attached to produce and star in and it's just like who who's who, who is this for yeah, yeah. Wh- what's the demographic <clears throat> it hasn't worked yet so why why do you think it will work now i guess the right star or the right director or something but if yeah. ridley scott will fail and and yeah, yeah like yeah auto auto uh, bathurst <laughs> is not the man to to bring this to um uh to fruition and and just ben mendelson now like i mean i like ben mendelson a lot but i mean he's just become you know a canon Generic a stock villain, villain role yeah. kind of thing and um Taron Egerton's okay, I guess, and I think Jamie Foxx is actually the best part about it in terms of the acting, or at least he seems to be somewhat present in in the role of Little John. But 
<clears throat> overall, it's just a prequel to a uh, franchise series that they're trying to put together, and it just does not work. Fair. Um, do you think I? C- It'd be interesting to see if Disney. I would love them to do for their streaming service the like, live action Fox yeah, version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I want. Like, use the John Favreau technology that they're doing in like Lion King and, and Jungle Book, and uh, put that into Robin Hood, and maybe that would finally work. And um, but how attractive would they make the the fox though? Oh, he'd be a sexy fox, man. Come on. Um, Anything else? It's uh, yeah, ho- yeah. Are you watching any holiday movies? Oh, I you know it. it. Okay, so this is also, this can, I guess, coincide Tis with our, season, uh, our uh, streaming and, and our home watching yeah, yeah. Uh, segment. Yeah, home or whatever the hell we call yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> whatever it's called. Uh, so, uh, Scream Factory released this week um, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. I showed you a clip of uh, actor Eric Freeman's Eyebrows. Uh, eyebrows. Uh, that performance alone is is worth uh, checking out. I mean, there's tons of YouTube edits, and and a lot of people know Silent Night, Deadly Night Two best as the YouTube garbage day clip. Um, it's a horrible movie, but it's a very fascinating uh, piece of film history in terms of the slasher genre. Because when Silent Night, Deadly Night came out in in the uh, the, the early '80s. Um, it was met with a lot of controversy. Uh, parents groups were complaining that the depiction of Santa as a serial killer is offensive and children will get the wrong impression that Santa is um, evil and is uh, a merciless monster and not this, you know, inspired, jolly. feel-good, jolly presence that he's been marketed as previously. So the film was in theaters for a couple of weeks through TriStar. Even though it was pulled after two weeks, it made its money back. It The controversy actually helped it. Um, you know, you had people like Siskel and Ebert uh, talking about how, you know, shameful the filmmakers are for exploiting uh, the holiday that they, that they did. Mickey uh, Rooney sent in uh, a letter of complaints. Um, and so in 87, when Live picked it up, they re-edited the movie, or their intent was to re-edit the film and re-release it, but call it Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 to get people to go and see it that may have been interested in the first one to make just a quick buck. Once Which, upon a Deadpool, baby! But, but that, I mean, that happened a lot in the 70s and 60s and 70s, especially with Roger Corman movies, where Roger Corman would... You know, take the same movie that was released in a drive-in theater for a couple weeks and just retitle it. And so people would think, oh, this is a new movie. And then they would go and then they'd be like, oh, well, didn't I see this already? (laughs) So, I mean, that was marketing back then. Um, And so what happened was the movie was being re-edited, but the filmmakers decided, hey, we can actually add additional content to this story. So they created this framing device of the serial killer's uh, brother played by Eric Freeman and Once Upon a Deadpool, baby. <laughs> and he goes through this whole story of of why he's a serial killer Santa and he took up the mantle that his uh brother left behind and basically seventy five percent of this movie is the first film with the framing device kind of filling out the rest. Um it's not very good. But again, the series kept going. Monty Hill directed Silent Night, Deadly Night Three, who directed uh two-lane blacktop and uh, cockfight um who was a, a, again like a, a solid filmmaker but at this point in his career was directing 
you know, VOD movies. And then after the third one, uh, it basically became a uh, a rebooted franchise, still with the same titles, uh, four and five, uh, but it was about witches and toy makers. And in part five, Mickey... everyone's favorite holiday, yes, yeah. character witches, <laughs> yes, witches, and it was called the Invitation. That was like the subtitle Silent Night, Deadly Night Four, and it was directed by Brian Usna, who produced. Um, uh, reanimator and directed society um and then five uh silent night deadly night five the toy maker starred mickey rooney oh comes back baby yep yeah that's fun so that's the the convoluted history of silent night deadly night <laughs> which is what everyone came here for so you could just you can stop listening now yeah but i also did see another uh movie which i think is one of the best films of the year and i feel bad that i put it off for so long and then i also did not see it in the theater which is uh, Panos Cosmodos uh, Mandy. And it stars... My boy! Yes, Nicolas Cage, Primal Cage Rage in this one. Um, Imagine the Princess Diaries, but as a revenge 1980s uh, horror, psychedelic, uh, fictional kind of storytelling. Like It's one of those movies that it's hard to kind of put into one category, but... The, the way to sort of look at it, it is a, is a fantasy. Okay. And it has Cage giving a very almost weirdly subdued performance almost at times. But, I mean, he he, he does emote. Go full cage. Full cage. Cage but, rage. But the cage rage in this movie is um, understandable and and has its reasoning to be in there where it's not just Nicolas Cage trying to give more to the movie than, you know, right. what's written on the like page mom and dad or yeah or, or to like just that, keep like. himself interested because he has he's realizing i'm only making this movie to pay off a, a <laughs> loan or something like that um i gotta get my action comics number one back but it's it's more of a visual experience than anything else and to me it reminded me of like if you ever saw any of those vans that people drive around in that are from like the 70s or like 80s. And have, yeah, and, and they like have like, like somebody riding a, a unicorn or dragon it's on like it. like a heavy metal kind yeah. of like... Yeah, and that's what this is. Yeah. This is a heavy metal, psychedelic drug trip movie yeah. that's a revenge film that also takes cues from something like The Princess Bride where it's told in a storybook format. You're um, really selling me on this. I, I haven't seen this either. And it so. takes place in the early 80s. Yeah. Um, I liked it ten times more than his last movie, which was Beyond the Black Rainbow, which was also, again, very much visually driven. Oh, classic, though, too. Yeah, right? I, mean, I think the score like... is good in that movie, and so is so some of the visuals are fine, but I think this is where the, the visuals and the story come together really well. It's very simplistic. It also deals with uh, fragile male egos and male insecurities in a very powerful and interesting way. And Andrea Riceborough, uh, who is the titular Mandy, is just completely disappears in the role. Like you've seen her in stuff like Birdman and Battle of the Sexes and stuff like that, and, and Shadow Dancer. But she's kind of one of the most underrated uh, actresses working right now, and uh, I hope more people see it. That is on our end. There is yeah. a fire truck going by, I believe. Uh, if you can hear that, I have no so idea. So if you haven't can. seen Mandy yet, and you're in for a, a bit of a uh, psychedelic drug trip, weed is legal in Canada now, yeah. baby. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna try and catch it before the end of the year. It's actually a hot tip. I mean, this isn't our staying at home segment yet, but uh, 99 cent rental on iTunes, or it's available on Shutter. Yeah, just recently um, on Shutter. Which, too. if you uh, haven't used your free trial for Shutter or. Um, one month of Shutter, I think, is four ninety nine or something. Yeah. So, like, 
either or whether you want to rent it on itunes for 99 cents or you could purchase it it's available too like on blu-ray right yeah um, and um, it's just interesting seeing panos cosmodos uh you know follow in his father's footsteps because he his father george p cosmodos directed uh the rambo movies and oh, okay. uh, leviathan with peter weller from cool. 1989 and uh supposedly directed tombstone although that's up for debate because kurt russell apparently was the ghost director on that movie interesting interesting um for me a little bit different so it's uh it was an interesting i haven't watched a whole lot like we've been going to a bunch of press screenings for the end of year stuff which you can catch all those reviews on untitled movie reviews but home watching um I'm in the holiday spirit, so uh, I, I watch Jingle All the Way every year because I fucking love Jingle All the Way. Like, Jake on a, Lloyd's greatest Like, sort of ironically, but not really ironically. Like, so I it's gen- kind of nostalgic as well. Yeah, like, it's, I, like, I genuinely laugh very hard at that movie, as dumb as it is and how ridiculous it is. And like, Is it darker um, to you now? It is you- so dark yeah. now that I'm an adult. And um, uh, Arnold is terrible, but amazing. God bless Phil Hartman because he's amazing down at lake minnetonga <laughs> like and just everything is like i got mine weeks ago it's nestled Hartman safely under the so tree good at playing scumbag yeah i miss the guy he, he was Fuck, great. man that's such an awful story but like what a great great actor yeah and know, writer like, too and, and actor, i mean like yeah. i mean a lot of the work that he did he didn't i mean obviously snl but and Troy he was on yeah seasons. he he did a lot of voice work for cartoons yeah. and then he was a writer on peewee's big adventure so. yeah man so phil hartman's amazing in that movie yeah jake lloyd is jake lloyd but uh, i mean he's probably better yeah. here than and he is sinbad in, uh fucking sinbad you know just, it's like, still the 90s when you're watching a, it's just, a everyone sinbad is awful in that movie. movie they're awful parents they assault people there's like a, a bomb explodes in a radio station and they're all just doing horrible horrible shit right and um but the the the, the toy commercials and the Turbo Man program does feel like oh, yeah. a real Power totally. Rangers esque yeah. show, and even uh, capturing that madness of what was the early nineties, um, right or mid nineties, mid nineties, yeah, yeah, mid nineties of like um, not in the the days of you could just order anything off Amazon or or, or certain toys were. I mean, you still get that in certain things nowadays, but. Um, just the the craziness of the holiday season and like it's a bad movie don't get me wrong like um but i thoroughly thoroughly enjoy it if you um, if you ever worked in retail specifically you worked at a toys r us i I sure did in high school uh seasonally i worked at uh toys r us in the games department um video games or board games board games yeah okay but you were still also responsible for helping anyone that needed to find anything so you kind of needed to know the lay of the land one, I will never have children. <laughs> two, for that specific your ex- for that experience? specific experience. Yeah. And two, uh, I have a hard time listening to Christmas music because they had one right. CD that they would play all through the day, and by you know the end of an eight-hour shift on a weekend. On a Saturday, you were like, if I hear that Alvin and the Chickmunks Christmas oh, yeah. song, I'm going to go fucking nuts, and. You know, like, it doesn't help when you have people leaving, you know, uh, 
Tim Horton's coffee cups all yeah. half full still it, yeah. like in uh, the the aisles and and on on the displays. Oh, people are garbage. And oh, this it's is horrible. And and and, yeah. and then also seeing parents complain that you don't have something and that you are actually keeping it from right. them in the back. And then and like, it's your fault. Yeah, it's not like- <laughs> there was one woman who was looking for like one of these. Uh, there was one year where we had these uh, remote control dogs sure. and they were really really popular and she thought that we were like holding out on customers and only keeping them in reserve for later on to rise raise up the price and she broke down into tears saying like i need this toy for my kid and we didn't have any we did right. like we were sold out at that point you just give her a fucking yeah. dog if you're holding there i feel like it, a, a Werner herzog voiceover <laughs> would come into play and say like this is the human existence in its weakest state and this is why a society is going to crash so back that mean jingle all the way that's basically yeah. what the movie is about Except it's uh, more, uh, I guess, more Austrian, right? Yeah. Get down. Oh God! Uh, if you at my place right now, Nevis has a uh, a light box and um, it has put that cookie down now <laughs> on on the light box because Nevis also loves uh, Jingle All the Way. My mom also loves Jingle All the Way. Quote from my father who watched Jingle All the Way with my mom. Quote: This has to be the worst movie of all time. Unquote. It has the lamest <laughs> ending as well. When when Jake Lloyd gets the toy and he gives it to Sinbad, it's like I have a real Turbo Man at home and he's are already you're yeah. just like anyways lame it's <laughs> bad movie but it passes that threshold of so bad um it's amazing right um, well it's me, even so. like like i i remember watching the first three home alone movies all the time so, and like the third one segue. is terrible but um so the third one i don't remember the third anything. one has scarlett yeah. johansson in it, and right. it was kind of like he was Home Alone, but Home Alone Six, and it's still Kevin McAllister, but they recast him. No, no, it's a oh, different that's character. Home Alone Four, then. Yes, sorry. Home Alone um, Three is a, um, I can't remember the name of the child actor, but like, he had a brief moment in the in the sun or in the spotlight um, as like a Disney kid. Um, but I'm just looking this. That's up fine. Right it was now. perfect segue because the other movie I watched last night was Home Alone, in, right. in 4K. <laughs> um, Alec D. Uh, Linz. Sure. No, and, well, there was no. There was a movie that he was in. It's probably. Was, I don't know what he's doing now, but um, he's the voice of young Tarzan no, in the 1999 Tarzan. But great. no, it was like Alex Keebler's big, yeah, Max Keebler's big oh, move. Oh, I know I that, that movie. Yeah, that was the film yeah. that they were trying to make him like, you know, Selena Gomez or something sure. like of, the, of the time. Um, so I watched Home Alone last night. Still, for nostalgic reasons, really enjoy it. I still um, like that first movie. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, Home Alone 2 is essentially just Home Alone 1, but yeah. in New York, it's the same goddamn movie. Um, but When with... I grow up, I'm living alone. Yeah. I'm living alone! Yeah. I can quote... I think we can quote that oh, whole movie. Oh, 100%. Uncle Frank is a, yeah. a D-bag. <laughs> Look what you did, you <laughs> little jerk. Yeah, and everyone's just... I, it's a fun movie. Like, um, I don't think it's a great movie. No. Um, I, I, weirdly... I actually... I still gave it five stars. Yeah? I, yeah. I it's like teenage, all the way five it's like teenage mutant ninja turtles. Yes, where it's like it's mostly nostalgia, but it's still a good movie. Yeah. Like it's um I genuinely like Home Alone. It's like I mean complete it's a cartoon essentially because you're just or this kid's the smartest kid of all yeah. time or he becomes Jigsaw. Um Well, I thought Old Man like, Marley was Jigsaw. Oh, and the Old Man Marley stuff actually really gets to me. Any family stuff like that. I but mean, do you we, think he really was um, hiding dead bodies no, in a soul can? No, I, I do. don't. No. I do. 
He was a nice man. Maybe. He, he reconnected with where, his son How did he get that end? wound, though, on his hand? There is one moment, though, where they do make him very villainous, where I'm just like, if he was actually a nice person, why would he look at this child this way when he comes into the store when Kevin's buying the, the trying toothbrush. to buy the toothbrush? Yeah. And he just stares at him with those like with his bloody hand and his bloodshot eyes. And he doesn't say anything. He just stares at him. But then later, he's super nice to him in the church and stuff. And I'm like, why didn't you just be nice to him right away? Like, you looked so evil. Uh, was your but it's a kid. Whoa. Yeah, it's just a it's a kid's movie and um how dare you and it's a masterwork uh, I, I think it's great man i i really enjoy it still like yeah. i and joe um, pesci as well the oh, funny right, thing yeah. about that movie is that chris columbus is like you can't swear in this film and pesci had a really hard time with oh, that really? so he was making up this gibberish well language. he goes yeah like yeah so that's what he was told to do through the yeah. whole thing because i'm sure uh an actor like uh, joe pesci was probably like well this guy would be he's a crook he'd be swearing if this kid was yeah doing this shit at him and and he's the one guy that you know, was saying behind the scenes that we're spoiling macaulay culkin and this is gonna go to his head and everybody's like oh you're being too mean joe pesci and he was right Joe Pesci was right. Sorry, I'm just I I was trying to turn down um the sound on my computer because it was making text message noises. Um, yeah, Home Alone's great. Uh, it's Home Alone, Jingle All the Way, Muppet Christmas Carol. Yep. Um, what other uh, Elf? Oh, I watched Elf as well, yeah. which I love Elf because I just love Will Ferrell. Um, yeah. Uh, Scrooge is one that I actually had never seen until last year. What? Was never part of my. How dare you? Uh, on like, but there are those like staples that. They never get old, and I. Well, can you watch said them. staples. Remember with the mouse? Um, no, I don't. In uh, Scrooge, so there's a bit where they're trying to get antlers glued on to uh, uh, these little mice for for their remake of a Christmas Carol, and it's like, well, have you tried staples yet? Oh Jesus! <laughs> yeah, um, that's how evil Bill Murray was in that movie. Um, yeah. So, uh, what else do I watch every year? My parents really love. Polar Express, I never really liked it at I like the hot chocolate scene. Um, hot chocolate! Uh, ha, ha, although it, it. it plays every year now at the Cinesphere, at least last year and this year, because um, yeah. now that it's been reopened. So I wanted to take them to that, but I haven't. I think the technology has become a little dated, and especially like in the characters' facial definitions. like Their eyes look dead, and it's kind of creepy now in terms of uh, um, the performance capture of that time period in the early 2000s mm-hmm. um, but it, there's some stuff in there that works i think the the actual book or the 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 yeah the child's the children's book from what like the late 80s early 90s was kind of like where the wild things are for a lot of people that grew up with it really cherish it um what else is there i mean it's a wonderful life is always considered a just classic. bought that in 4k dolby vision <laughs> yep gonna see some jimmy stewart in in 4k um meet me in st louis is one that i always seem to revisit this time of year um the more cool contemporary uh modern christmas classics are films like eyes wide shut and uh batman returns die hard die hard yeah i think die hard Um, is a christmas movie but it's a weird one where it's like you can watch that any time of the year and still and enjoy not feel it. Weird. Like if you watched Elf in April, you'd be a weirdo. Yeah, <laughs> like, you sure would. Uh, you'd be as weird as a guy who orders uh, iced coffees in winter. Yeah, well, that's we both do that. Yeah, but yeah, man, I, I, I the weapon even as well. Yeah, because any it takes Shane place Black during movies, winter, yeah. except Predator, the yeah. Predator. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I, I don't know Christmas movies. It's it's something you mentioned too that like 
sometimes you can just put them on and you could be doing other things, whether it's cooking or doing like hanging out with family around Christmas and things like that. It's just comforting. Like it's different. Like this Halloween or this October, I didn't watch too many horror movies, even though that I like to try and do that during October. And I sent you a fucking um, list I know. of like 30 I, I'll get things. to them. I will. I will. But again, horror movies, I feel like you can watch year round. Where yeah. Christmas movies, you, you you are weird if you don't if you watch them anytime other than maybe November, December. Although I do remember um, watching Home Alone anytime I'd get sick, really? like, and I'd okay. be home from school. You know, I could see that because like it is based around Christmas, but I mean, it's not. It's a Christmas movie, but I don't know. It's still just about a kid trying, like, locking down his house and trying not to be murdered by some fucking creeps. Right. The wet band. Like, with micro machines. Um, so like yeah, how they changed their name to the Sticky Bandits in the second yeah. one. It's so creepy. Yeah, it is. It really is. <laughs> Other than that, I've been watching uh, Neo Yokio on. Uh, on Netflix. I don't know if you know anything about this. No, you did send me the text though. The trailer. Um, and Nevis and I found it and, um, six episodes, 20, 21 minutes each. It's, uh, uh, an anime on, on Netflix, but American produced, uh, written by, I think the lead singer of vampire weekend, which is weird, but it's this kind of like hipster bullshit anime. Like that's Jaden Smith is the lead. And like, Everyone in the show seems like they're reading their lines off their iPhone into their iPhone and like, which sounds awful, but almost works because everything's so deadpan and the delivery's like not great in everything, but it just kind of works. And, um, it uses a lot of a mixture of classical music and it takes place in this uh, hybrid version of Tokyo and New York in the future where New York is new or Neo Yokio is flooded. And I was going like, to say new um, Tokyo. Yeah, that could be the other one, but um, I don't know. We're really enjoying it. The cast is great um, um, with Jude Law and Susan Sarandon and um, Jason. Um, uh, no, sorry, what's a uh, Jason Schwartzman? No, who am I thinking of? Jason yeah. Schwartzman. Yeah, 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 I think yeah. so. Yeah, and, Wes Anderson um, actor. Yeah, 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 Bushman. yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason Schwartzman. Um, who else am I? There's tons of people in the show that keep showing up. All you need is uh, Richard Ayoade. Yeah, Jane Smith is so funny though because he's so bad, but like it, it just it completely works, and it's very weird. Like Jude Law plays his like robot butler who looks like a <laughs> 1980s transformer and i gotta sh- did you watch the trailer or no no I okay didn't. i gotta show you it after this because like i think it'd be and there's this ongoing joke about a giant toblerone and it's about like high society in neo yokio so there are all these rich kids in neo yokio and it's just very random and very weird and he's like a um he's a high he's there's a uh, a bachelor like eligible bachelor list that's in times square of all the eligible bachelors in neo yokio and they're all competing against each other to become the number one eligible bachelor and they play <laughs> they play field hockey together and like there's the east and west side field hockey teams that are rivals so uh, um there's a joke about a giant toblerone which i mentioned and um it's just very weird. Oh, and he's a demon slayer. Um, Whoa, so okay. it's just like, it's, I don't know. I, I probably didn't do a good job explaining it. It's just very weird. And there's a, a Christmas special that just came out. That's why Nevis and I saw it pop up on Netflix is because um, Neo Yokio Pink Christmas, it's called, um, just premiered uh, on Friday. So we watched the first season. So, I mean, I think it's a good, I feel like anime purists will probably hate this and I feel like they've written it off because it's an American produced anime, even though it's Japanese animators and they use a Japanese studio and it, it um But it's also it's, satirizing yes, the genre. It as is, well. yeah. And I feel like most 
people who actually enjoy anime might think it's trash. This is just me kind of when I, that I've seen online. Um, but I don't know, as someone who's doesn't watch a ton of anime, I mean, I watched Dragon Ball Z when I was younger. Oh, and, yeah. Um, I, not many modern animes, but this... On the next episode of Dragon yeah. Ball Z, uh, Goku will still be taking his time to get to the, the fight. It'll take three years and Piccolo will be there. Um, no, but Piccolo got... Remember, Piccolo got killed by Nappa. Yeah. Uh, th- that was the... That was one... That whole... The Frieza, Vegeta, Nappa... Uh, sagas were always fun but it was always like Goku was like it took him forever to get there you know whether it be on Namek or or you know to to be revived and be brought back to earth and oh god we should do a Dragon Ball Z podcast god I haven't watched in a really long time they re-released a lot of it on blu-ray I think yeah um and And then there's like a lot of like um, spin-off movies and stuff like that. that and they continued... The, like, I mean, there was the Dragon Ball original, original series yeah. and Dragon Ball Z and then I think there's Dragon GT. Ball GT is yeah. the sequel I don't one. fuck with GT. And it's all Z new, for me, baby. And then there's... Baby! A, I think there's a newer one, too. So uh, Vegeta the, and Piccolo were my favorite characters. Yeah. I have a Dragon Ball Z fighting game that's really, really good. And then um, speaking about fighting games, the other thing why I haven't been watching many movies is uh super smash brothers came out on friday uh before we recorded this um so i've been playing non-stop 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 super smash brothers with nevis and uh i unlocked all the characters in the first day um and nevis and i when we have free time now we just we we pop in smash brothers and 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 play it so uh my main is king k rule who people might remember from donkey kong country or the donkey kong country cartoon on saturday mornings on fox um I've been using him a lot and having a blast with that. It's such a perfect celebration of Nintendo characters and just video game characters in general. Um, so yeah, I've been playing that. So that's the what I've been up to. So weird blend of uh, games and TV and movies. My Game of Thrones watch has slowed down. I watched that five and a half seasons in like yeah. a week and a half. And I think I almost had too much too quickly. Right. Um, not that I'm not enjoying it. I'm just slowed down on it and needed to kind of you need to slow your roll before you finish it off yeah and before I th- season eight exactly you, you have until april i do so. and like i think I, I still pop in and watch an episode here and there but i'm not binging it like i was before now if king k rules um, in Game of Thrones, yeah. would you would you finish oh it? hell yeah <laughs> um so uh that's kind of what i've been watching so um Let's move on to staying at home. We've already brought up kind of uh, your Silent Night, Deadly Night. Um, part two, part, please. Part man. two, sorry. Um, I forgot they're the same movie. Um, <laughs> you also wanted to mention that uh, you said Evil Dead 2 comes yes, out on 4 Yes, yeah. right? so Evil Dead was recently released back in uh, the early fall, and now Lionsgate is following it up with uh, Evil Dead 2 on 4K, and... Um, for me, I mean, like we mentioned, you know, basically Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 is, is just a remake of the first one or a re-edit. Uh, Evil Dead 2 is a remake of Evil Dead in the same way that, you know, the Mad Max movies were basically being remade. And each time Sam Raimi, uh, would get together with, you know, Bruce Campbell and the rest of his crew, he was perfecting the mistakes that he made previously. Although I think the Evil Dead films as a trilogy, um, are a perfect combination of horror comedy in that kind of uh, Three Stooges style of slapstick humor. So 
and and I, I I don't know. Like I keep going back and forth. Like I really love Evil Dead because Evil Dead is the most straight laced of the three. Mm-hmm. Evil Dead Two is where you can really see the camp, the, and like... the camp coming out, the Bruce Campbell <laughs> coming out uh, uh, in full force, and you know that's the one where he cuts off his his arm, and you know the groovy line, and obviously things like that. Um, and then Army of Darkness is its own weird <laughs> thing where it's, you know, the medieval ages, but it also is... I'm not a huge fan. I love it because it's so... It, it reminds me of Monty Python, and it's just, again, over the top and strange and something completely different. It's, it's it, again, it's kind of like the way that, like, Back to the Future 3 went to the West, you know, and, and right. this is... Ninja Turtles 3 goes to... Uh... Let's not talk about that movie, <laughs> Turtles in Time. Oh, fuck. Turtles in Time video game, though, dope. Yeah, movie, not so much. Uh, although Elias Kateas comes back in that movie, yeah, uh, as Casey Jones. Anyways, for some cultural Evil Dead, yeah, <laughs> Evil Dead Two. Um, again, like this was when Raimi was experimenting and being playful with his filmmaking and the way that the camera would move. And I, I mean, obviously, the Coen Brothers took major inspiration when they made uh, Blood Simple as well from the first one. Um, and it's just a perfect genre mashup in my opinion and i miss sam raimi's movies like this i mean we obviously we keep talking about when the fuck is he gonna make another movie well, he's man. working with ryan reynolds i think right now on sure. something but the... they started shooting it no then i don't believe um but drag me to hell which was uh the 2009 which was almost 10 years ago now um was another one of those movies where it was like just a nice reminder of what raimi does on a limited budget and playing within multiple genres and evil dead 2 originally called evil dead 2 dead by dawn uh is just a fantastic little movie so. yeah i uh re-watched all the evil dead movies two years ago i think yeah um or i've watched them a few times army of darkness was that one that never really i love evil dead 1 and 2 but it just never really well i, I even love how goofy it is with all the splatter and gore like the the buckets of blood being sprayed at people and and yeah. again like it's not scary in the way that like you know something like maybe um the exorcist is or something like that like it's 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 more so played for humor no, i know yeah yeah I humor, just, but it's still violent though like it's yeah, you know me with medieval shit yeah and all that kind of stuff although so now that you've watched game of thrones maybe you'll go back and maybe see of darkness have and an appreciation it. Yeah. for it yeah uh, for me, I wanted to give a shout out to a couple good iTunes sales on right now. Um, I picked up uh, Eighth Grade in 4K Dolby Vision um, for 9.99 right now. So um, it is also if, available on Blu-ray if you want to pick sure, it up as well. Sure, but if you want it for ten dollars on iTunes in 4K, which I keep saying is a great device, um, you can do that. Uh, also, a 99 cent rental if you're into uh, renting movies instead of owning them, which is perfect. Uh, Mandy as well as a 99 cent rental, as I mentioned. And then they have a great holiday sale on right now, so you can get a um, uh, a buttload of, of of Christmas movies and holiday movies for uh, five, seven. 10 and 15 dollars so like basically everything you can think of probably falls within one of those sales um 
some movies like Muppet Christmas Carol. I think Elf is only five dollars. Uh, what I about bought, Elves? Uh, I don't know if Elves is on there. We'll see. Damn I it. can check afterwards. No, it's uh, not. It's never even been released on Blu-ray. That's I picked up. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life in 4K Dolby Vision. Um, put that on, and I'm the like, black and white version. Yeah, good, and I'm good. like colorized version. Which is interesting because Dolby Vision. I mean, Roma is the same thing where Roma's in Dolby Vision, but uh, black and white. Because usually Dolby Vision is HDR, which usually plays with color. Right, makes colors uh, more realistic and pop better and and uh, a more depth of color. Um, so seeing it in a black and white movie is very interesting. But uh, I'll show you, especially an older black and white um, movie. That, right? I want to show you the print that they use because, like, it's. Um, I was surprised. I mean, it would look better in a very dark room. It's a little. It's cloudy out, but it's still bright in here. But I put it on just to kind of see what it looked like, and um, uh, I was impressed for a, a movie um, of its age in in 4K that it seemed like they got a good scan on it. And, right. Um, it's also weird that that movie is like. Only the third act of it is really a Christmas movie. Totally, yeah. Uh, and it also deals with darker themes for the time. I mean, right. suicide and, yeah. and depression. I haven't and, seen it in a while, but yeah. I think I might, when I go home for the holidays, I think it's one that my Oma always used to like. And um, Not Home for the Holidays uh, with uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> no. Christmas with the Cranks. For, with, is that Tim Allen? Yeah. yeah. Dan Aykroyd, the, the Jamie Lee Curtis. The Santa Claus movies were the ones that I could never really like. I liked I, the like the first one because like I, I think I was young enough yeah. to see it in the theaters. And I always but remember. Once they bring like, Martin Short in. That was like, part three. Yeah. And yeah. Like, things like that. And, but I always liked know. the idea of like someone transforming into something. And like the way that sure. he was. Um, it was it was almost like a curse or something. Where he would like shave that. and yeah. his beard would come back, or his belly. Yeah, or he'd go to the doctor. Everyone fat shames him in that movie though too. They like, sure do. Like well, when he's like in the business meeting and he yeah. orders like three puddings and he's like eating yeah. all that stuff. And God, the nineties were. It's, anyways, it was a time to get out all, all the, uh, yeah. the the hatred <laughs> that we're not allowed to do anymore. That, yeah. yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, good holiday sales on iTunes and there's certain, I think they have their best of 2018 sale on right yeah. now too. So there's and lots of one of which on is there. eighth grade, which is um, showing up yeah. in, uh, the award conversation for, you know, the screenplay best first feature. Mm-hmm. Um, Elsie Fisher is showing up in a lot of places as well. Yeah. So, uh, if you haven't seen eighth grade by God, please, please go watch it. It's, it's, it's excellent. Um, I can't wait to see what, uh, Bo Burnham does next. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on into trailers. It's a big motherfucking week for trailers, my friends. Yes. So we covered a huge week last week, and it seems like Disney continues to show up uh, quite often. They got all of their fucking trailers out in the right. last couple weeks. Well, we're getting a lot of stuff now also for the spring and summer slate of 2019. Mm-hmm. So this is when, you know, the... the um, the studios decide, okay, this is when we're going to start showing a lot of that stuff for... Um, the the next year to kind of get people excited, and again, it's a lot of uh, the summer slate, the tent poles, the tent poles. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, we should kick it off with the trailer. Everyone. Well, I mean, even though the kick other it one, off. we really we could go in order of the way that they debuted, but let's go into Avengers. Endgame we're we're right we're away. punk rock, and we're yeah. gonna do it our way. <laughs> no, I mean, talking about Avengers is not punk rock. It's, no. <laughs> it's the complete opposite. But um, it's capitalism at its finest. After all the speculation of when the fuck we were gonna get this trailer, it finally uh, premiered. And also the Friday. people feeling entitled, that right? They which I don't the agree trailer. with. I mean, yeah. I would I would like if they didn't show us anything. Like I, uh, we'll get into it in a second, and I think this is a. a uh, an excellent teaser um but 
Disney dropped uh, the trailer for Endgame, Avengers Endgame. They announced the title um, Friday morning. Um, I thought they did a really good job speaking from the marketing standpoint of um, not putting the title in the press release. I was amazed by that when they that they sent to us. Um, not putting the title on any of the YouTube videos or things like that. So you actually, if you cared about the surprise of what the title was going to be. Right. It's always um, been referenced as Avengers 4. 4. So the title reveal was a surprise until the end of the trailer, which I yeah. thought was really cool. Well, the um, most spoilery thing I, I mentioned it to you is the logo dissolving right. in the right. Marvel but, Studios. But I mean, you still have to address the events. I think it's long. Like, if you haven't seen that movie by now, it's your own fault if you get it spoiled. Right. But, but um, I think also it's interesting that we haven't, just to go off on a bit of a, a side tangent here, that we haven't gotten the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer yet. And I think maybe partly it's because Disney and Sony maybe are having a bit of a conflict there with that. Because, you think so, yeah. Well, because Spider-Man uh, Far From Home is supposed to be the first in Phase 4, right? Yeah. So, and, I mean, and it, and it, it takes place after Endgame. And many characters who died, quote-unquote, in Avengers uh, Infinity War, right? So, or in Endgame. Um, yeah, because what, Endgame, what happens right? if Tony yeah. Stark is dead? Yeah, right. You know? So... Uh, that that is always going to be fascinating to me. So let's talk. We'll get into the far from home stuff in a second because we'll talk about Captain Marvel as well. So, you, I'm the Marvel fanboy here. Mm-hmm. You slowly, I've noticed your progression into not. I've gone uh, from, from acceptance to appreciating the filmmakers that actually try to do something their different. voice yeah. into the film. The the James Guns, the Ryan Coogler's, um, the Shane Blacks, where you actually seeing and hearing their voice come through the comic book tropes and i'm not against these movies either because i like a good superhero comic book movie like the next person i just find that it's a very repetitive structure and storyline and when you get a movie like spider-man into the spider-verse and obviously or, or even logan those movies do need all the films that come before it but it's nice to see something that basically feels different ra- uh, radioactively uh, reinvents the franchise no and i'm totally with you i mean i'm i went back and rewatched all of the marvel movies and i i do really think that on a pure spectacle level and a pure entertainment level and a and even from the world building stand standpoint and essentially it is a tv series just on a very very large scale mm-hmm. um i appreciate it and i love it for that and i I unabashedly loved Infinity War and I thought it was the like a really perfect way of the culmination of all these 18 movies before it and um and I've just been a superhero fan since I a kid and that's kind of grown up with me and I, and what I liked even seeing with you is as Marvel grew and and then you saw them kind of okay now they they're getting into the rhythm and they're starting to give filmmakers the freedom to kind of put their own stamp on it and and or they or they allow the filmmaker to make their movie like mm-hmm. once you get to part 3 you get the Taika Waititi's and the mm-hmm. Shane Blacks that are kind of almost I think they're almost left alone because they're right. more focused at that point on you know the 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 first or seconds of the other the characters. new franchises that they're trying yeah, to start. Kevin yeah. Feige's like, all right, you guys go do what you want. I trust you. you yeah, make, at this point, make now something we've, it's weird. Already established. Yeah, we'll use him later, and we'll kind of figure out what after what you guys do. We'll we'll make we'll give Thor his eye back, or we'll or we'll make the ship the beginning of Infinity War be the end of Ragnarok yeah, or we'll fire James Gunn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, anyways, getting back to the trailer, like 
I thought this is the perfect way of giving people a tease without really showing them anything. Like, I don't really think the trailer really shows you anything. No, like, I no mean, there is, there is exposition like, in the sense that, like, it does talk about, like, oh, you know, like, 50% of the world's, they, the, the, the universe's they population. They feed you what, if you weren't a hardcore fan, because, uh, like, everyone knew... Thanos is, if you heard my snap there, his snap at the end of the movie got Snap again. And you knew what he was trying to do, but they kind of give you that, that yeah. he succeeded 50% of the universe's, like... Well, in know. my quick write-up for, for that shelf of the trailer, I mean, the, the two shots of Thanos' armor suspended in midair and, and, and his... Uh, his hand uh, going through Terrence the, the, Malick. That's what I said. Yeah. It's, it's very Mal- uh, Malekian. Uh, yeah. So. I just want to see that movie, Terrence Malick's Thanos, Thanos? movie of him just on the farm. Or that movie that or that you keep sending me the photo of, of Thanos posing. The thick uh, Thanos? Thick Thanos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's really funny. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a couple minutes long. It shows you where Tony's Two at. Two minutes and where... 25 seconds yeah, to be exact. Okay. I know you. Okay. You wrote an article about it. We get it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, a couple minutes. It it shows you each of the main Avengers. Uh, it's and it's the most funny. important Avenger, Hawkeye. Hawkeye. <laughs> Hawkeye. He's gone has, rogue. He's Ronin now, man. And um, which I think is kind of cool to introduce um, uh, some of the people who weren't in the last movie. Right? They don't show you kind of um, anyone else other than the core Avengers and um, Ant Man who yes. shows up at the end. Which they do. I mean, that in a way is also maybe the closest thing to a spoiler because of what how the quantum right. realm will play a yeah. part in this movie apparently yeah. so and um, last time we saw Ant-Man he's stuck in the quantum realm yeah. right and they he's obviously presumed dead in this movie cuz based on Steve's reaction to uh is this live right now um so it, I, i'm interested to see how much time has passed um i well there at least a couple months cuz uh Steve Rogers has shaved his beard right and um and yet Hawkeye's in Japan yeah. uh, and stuff He's like just that, upset so. that he's not a part of the Mission Impossible <laughs> franchise anymore. And, so he goes out on Or the own. Bourne movies. Or any other franchise they made him to be a part of. Um, I kind of feel bad for Jeremy. I, I like, I like, him. like he, him too. He's, he's but just, he's a character they, actor. Yes, they put him in the wrong things for a while. So I don't know. I'm, I'm fascinated to see where they're going to go with this. How they um, they obviously have to bring how they bring people back. It seems like it'll have some quantum realm time travel angle. Um most likely like there are theories out there that like Steve might have to stay in the past if they go back to the first Captain America movie or the first Avengers movie and that's how the, he gets but then that leaves it open to him coming back later right because you don't kill him off he's right. just he's oh god I hope they don't do it like they did with the, the Walking and... Dead where they just kind of like oh Rick was just he's going away and, and <laughs> not flown away but if he has to sacrifice yeah. himself that's a little bit more interesting I think if you if there's a time travel element right. where and then you have like um, um falcon or bucky pick up the mantle although i don't like bucky that much no uh i'd be more in- I, I don't know It'll, i'm fascinated to see where they're, they're gonna go with yeah. this i think but the real captain or the new captain that will probably replace captain it marvel. is captain marvel so we can go into that although so. unless captain canuck shows up oh god i just want alpha force flight now that they have oh is alpha flight alpha the, flight yeah alpha force um which are like puck the, right yeah puck, canadian oh, x-men yeah. essentially now that they have the x-men rights we could get it um so i'm all in for a puck i movie. think the end game trailer was perfect i hope we they i i really hope their marketing for this is going to be very like they know people are going to show up like you could just show people this and then you could just show them in the teaser just the avengers 4 logo and that's it that's all you need and people will want it so i'm hoping they're smart enough and it seems like they are to kind of um 
not spoil much from this and not give us much footage. And I hope that they stick to that. Right. um, Well, and again, especially if it's going to conflict with Spider-Man Far From Home, because again, that's going to be the start of phase four. That is a continuation after the events of this movie. So it'll be very interesting to see if Sony gets on the same page as Marvel Studios and Disney and cooperates or decides to go their own way in terms of marketing that film. And that could ruin or spoil some stuff in, right. in, in the marketing because... Because I did read... I'm not going to go into it here. We'll wait till the trailer's out, which we'll probably have by next week, I'm assuming. Like, yeah. Like, well, some people like, are thinking by Thursday it'll yeah. be out. So. Yeah. Oh, because Spider-Verse comes out yeah. and it'll be attached to that. So we will definitely have it. We'll miss it for this episode, but I've read a... Um, a description, and I won't spoil any of that here. But yeah, I'm I'm fascinated to see how they're going to handle that too. So um, it's just a a very weird weird thing. But with the Mysterio angle, you could play around with that of like the illusion stuff. Of um, but we'll see. Um, yeah, let's talk about Captain Marvel as well. So it was a weird week in the sense that they premiered the Captain Hold on, Marvel. Hold on. Oh, come oh. on. Um, Sorry. I I've I've wa- I'm. I've gotten back on board with this, but I'm I'm with you where this does feel like minor Marvel. Um, so I don't know. So it needs adult accompaniment. So, this is the second trailer. Showed us a bit more of the plot, uh, a bit more of the characters. Um, you you see Ben Mendelsohn now as a generic villain. Yep. Um, Maybe he's playing the sheriff of uh, Nottingham. Um, you saw uh, Jude, Jude Law is in there as well. As Marvel. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, I, I don't have much to say about this. Like, I was kind of underwhelmed by the trailer the first time I saw it. The more I watch it, I'm more interested to see, um, obviously, how Brie Larson does. And I just don't like her delivery. And I'm just like, I can't, I haven't been able to rally around this yet. But, I mean, we said the same things about some other characters. But, again, the Guardians trailer won us over. Or, right. um but I just hope it's not going to be one of those kind of underwhelming, like, it's good, but it doesn't really, like, it's Well, not... it's like you said, it's minor, it's it's a placeholder to just to get you end to Endgame. Right. Because Which, she's going to play a critical role in it. It's that. almost just a, a prologue to introduce her yeah. to the universe. Um, Which is the one thing where that kind of, that's the kind of thing that annoys me with movies, because right. it's like... You're making a movie, so make a movie with a beginning and middle. It and will. End. It'll have that. No, I know that, but at the same time, you do also realize that it is very much a prologue. A, <laughs> yeah, a prologue, a piece of a bigger picture, and it's just a shame that you know maybe this one won't be able to stand on its own the same way that some of the more uh, individual films have so far. But I'm, I'm, I'm but it's hard to say it. with like a couple trailers, and like I like the time period of the '90s, and like right. I, I'm, and, I'm but how much is it going to play into like oh, <laughs> block? Blockbusters yeah, I know. and but all even that with, kind of stuff. Uh, Sam Jackson with looking like he's in um, or Phil Coulson. Yeah, or Phil Coulson's hairpiece or yeah. things like that. Like, and I'm all um, for the the, the the first solo uh, female led superhero movie. Which again, like for for, for Marvel, Marvel, like about bloody time like right. why did it take this years. long and i mean like we're still debating like, over why hasn't black widow yeah movie. why hasn't black widow gotten her own movie by now so yeah. really black widow should have been the first one yeah way back like she black widow was introduced in iron man 2 and she still hasn't gotten her own movie yeah and um, dropped the russian accent though but has not thank, gotten her own thank movie. christ yeah but but that seems to be a common theme with anybody who has an accent, like even Elizabeth Olsen yeah. dropping her Eastern European accent. It's like, and they never explain it either. Like they could have been like, "Oh, I just uh, 
just... Well, I wanted to fit in, so yeah, I... Yeah, yeah. I just spent a lot of time in America. She's a super agent, so she can do whatever accent. But, um, yeah, I, I'm i intrigued, but neither of these trailers have really um, done anything for me. Like, no. I mean, again, like, I'm... I'm I'm on like ant level it, level of Ant Man level. Ant Man level of uh excitement where I'm like, okay, like when March comes around, I'll be like, Yes, I'm gonna go on Thursday night or to a press screening or whatever. But it like, feels more like an obligation than anything else. Like it feels like, okay, well I need to see this to have seen all the Marvel movies and to be in the loop and, and ready for endgame or ready to just uh you know, complete the the franchise list so far or check that, you know, box off that I've seen it. But again, it could surprise you. I mean, it's a good cast. Um, I, I like Ryan Fleck and Ann Bowden, who directed the film. Half Nelson and Sugar are, are decent movies. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just don't know. Like, it just it's the trailers themselves haven't really sold me on it. Yeah, and I'm um, I, I guess I would almost have. I said the same thing about Doctor Strange and maybe the first Ant-Man movie when um, those trailers came out too, and I would still consider those like in the middle of the pack of Marvel movies of like, they were pleasant surprises for me of how much I enjoyed them. But again, they're not the ones that I'm like clamoring to they're go back. They're not top and tier. Like, like that I want to go back and rewatch a lot, right? Like right. I've been struggling going, do I want to go back and watch Ant-Man and the Wasp? Like I, I'm like teetering on that thing of like, I kind of am in that Marvel movie mood after these trailers came back out. And I did just recently watch, all of them, and I, I the ones I go back to are Homecoming, Ragnarok, Iron Man three, Infinity War, now, um, Spider Man Homecoming. Yeah, I, I said that. Oh yeah. Um, Sorry, so, I just blanked yeah. out there for a no, second. It's okay. So those are the ones I go back to, and and then now, I mean, sort of spoilers for our Spider Verse um, thing, which you should go listen. It's probably up right now, but that shit's on another level, and um, a and whole another yeah level. It's so it's just. Yeah, the bar has been raised a bit with like, and even as much as if you didn't love Infinity War or you thought it was just kind of like too much or, or it, it really is just servicing this universe more so than being its own movie. And it is part one of two, obviously, but like it's on such a gigantic scale and feels important to this universe. And they just, they haven't done anything with Captain Marvel yet that has made me go oh i need to see this yeah like, and i, I think know. also partly is because it's an origin story so there's going to be more again like marvel movies usually have a lot of humor in them but everything marketing wise we've seen so far just looks like it's going to be self-serious like i almost kind of wish that they were playing up you know her becoming uh, a, a fighter pilot or, or a you know a Top Gun kind of maverick kind of character. Well, that's character. what I mean. Go nine full nineties yeah. on it. Like no, I want to see a volleyball gene sequence and everybody <laughs> playing volleyball in their jeans. Well, with Kenny Loggins. I thought playing. someone compared. They're like, oh, which movie? Or, or am I thinking something different? That they were comparing it to like a nineties action flick with this. And I'm like, I don't get that vibe from anything you've shown me. Like you've made it look very kind of generic modern looking right, right. like well and, and i think part of that is also the cinematography like i've always felt like one of the weakest as aspects in a lot of these movies are the looks or the look of the film it's very televisual um it looks digital in a cheap way with the exception of a few movies i think they're getting better mm -hmm. but there's this one does look kind of 
two-dimensional right in, in that regard like it just kind of looks flat mm-hmm. um but again like i mean never judge a book by its cover again so, trailers aren't everything Mary there Poppins. are bad trailers that for good movies and good trailers for bad movies right? exactly, like that's, exactly that's what marketing does yeah. so um and disney's usually pretty good at this stuff but i mean they're not gonna uh, i still think obviously it'll do amazing and i i think at worst it's going to be good or okay yeah um it'll be serviceable nothing is going to be thor dark world world levels god i hope not that's see that's the most offensive one to me because like even though i i think the incredible hulk is is worse (laughs) dark world is offensive because it's just boring yeah yeah and both are bad yeah uh, incredible hulk's the one that doesn't even feel like it's part of this universe and then um it's kind of just forcibly um, wedged in there right and i mean at this point now it's only because robert downey jr popped up and william hurt is in the franchise and that's really the only two things that are keeping it connected i'm waiting for them to bring back betty at some point like, right but it'll recast that, you think so yeah oh 100 I mean, if they brought back william hurt why wouldn't they bring back um uh, live tyler live tyler yeah no you don't think she, you think she's done yeah <laughs> um yeah so i mean it's a good it'd be, be good though it's like betty you look so different <laughs> well i mean bruce so do you yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> well there uh, you go see like that's like like i think they would recast that that could be fun though you could yeah. have some medicine well they, they did make reference to that with don Cheadle as well right, right with right. iron man too yeah, so yeah yeah i mean in the end who gives a shit yeah. just cast whoever it doesn't matter although i again yeah. like with spider with spider-man into the spider-verse i would love to see like at some point, like Terrence Howard even come back, and you have two roadies, like just right as like a meta joke, yeah. in that universe, right? Like, yeah, that's something. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like you've gotten to that point now. You have enough movies where you can take those kind of risks, and they don't even have to be canon. They can be a one-off that's kind of just its own thing. And and again, you can get inventive and creative and kind of go crazy. Did uh, did they get did Fedora get back? To <laughs> no, you? sorry, I'm answering things on uh, my cell phone because our food was all messed up breaking news um yeah i'm with you i think like in the spider-verse universe that could be a fun way to play into um bringing back the old spider-men or some people from the mcu that they've recasted or um it could be really fun and even uh, shooting some live action stuff like lord and miller did with um lego movie as well right of like including some sort of weird thing that there's a live action universe which could be either tom holland or even bring back toby mcguire or that would be really Andrew funny Garfield like or, or something like that like if there was a live action sequence in one of those movies and um bringing back those actors or like, a cartoon sequence yeah. in the live action well, that's what one, i mean sorry. yeah like things like that so um Let's move on to. I don't have much to say about this trailer, um, but Godzilla King of the Monsters. You watched the newest yep. trailer. Um, you're, I think, more of maybe a kaiju. Are you a yes. kai, like kaiju yes. fan? Like, well, I, I like the Godzilla series. Yeah. I don't think I've seen all of them because there's like yeah, 50 I, odd movies. I'm not a huge fan, but like, obviously, I've seen. I saw the new Kong and I saw the new Godzilla movie, which are part of this universe. Yeah, the but, Gareth uh, Edwards um, version, which I actually really like, but it, it, it feels like it's been. I mean, it was 2012. It feels like forever when we were sitting in that song. Yeah, of the that IMAX was a theater. horrible <laughs> yeah. experience. I mean, I liked the movie a lot, yeah. but like, yeah. So that was when Matt and I saw the movie. We saw it at Young and Dundas, and I feel like we've probably told this story, but I don't know. Well, maybe on movie night. I yeah, don't know. Maybe if we have. I don't know. But anyways, quick 
uh, quickly, we <laughs> just yeah, quick aside. We ended up uh, sitting in a two-hour movie with no air conditioning in, in the, the in the early summer, and it became a sauna. Yeah, it was disgusting. Yeah. It smelled real bad. It was very sweaty, and they gave everyone passes after. And I think that played into me not liking the movie because right. I did not. I thought it was fine, or I thought it was okay, or something. But I haven't gone back to rewatch it since then. It's but, good. I mean, I would um, like to rewatch it before seeing this, and it's a different. And you didn't director. like Kong, which and no, I did like Kong. I did not so that's like so, Kong. It's so weird that like we're on opposite sides of that, and then this kind well, of. We, well, we have our we have um, our players then for. Yeah, Godzilla, Godzilla versus Kong. Kong yeah. yeah, which is uh, my our, our boy from uh, uh, Adam Wingard's directing it, yeah. right? Um, uh, and this is Michael uh, Doherty, right? Yes, who, who did Trick or Treat? Trick or Treat, motherfucker! And he hasn't really done much since. He's done some writing yeah. here and there. Like I know he also he wrote the X Men movies, right? Yeah, and yeah. Superman Returns and things like that. So, um, with Brian Singer. yeah. <laughs> I mean that's not his fault. No, it's I know, just, I know, I know. You know who he. Sometimes you're friends for. with bad people. Yeah, so, yeah, and you yeah. don't know. Guilty by association. Yeah, exactly. Right? Um, so this trailer didn't do all that much no. for me. I don't know. Like I like. I'm still the... excited about Mothra, though. Dude, I'm excited for the movie, and I think it'll be uh, a fun monster mash. But like, um, I don't know. Will it like, be a were... graveyard smash? There was something about the. I hate you. Um, the first trailer with the. I, I don't know. Like it. I don't know. That teaser really got me. I thought it was really, really well done. Well, because um, it, it was mostly focused um, on the human point of view, right? The human perspective. Yeah, of but almost it, it like felt a Terminator, more beautiful like kind of. Yeah, like um, no, the first trailer for this movie, and like yeah, that's um, what I mean. Yeah. Like you had uh, Millie Bobby, right? Brown, and then this right? was more focused on, I guess, the monster action, right? Yeah. And like, and then also the the last trailer seemed to really fo- put the blame on Vera Farmiga as the one right. that like set this all up. And yeah. Is basically, we have to destroy Earth to rebuild it again. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm teetering on like I'm ex- I, I'll, yeah. I'm looking forward to it, but I don't care. This one also it. is emphasizing a little bit more of the monarch. Uh, corporation and the idea of a shared universe. I feel like this is going to be, you know, th- that will be the marketing going forward is that, you know, this is a part of our kaiju universe and I'm sure there will be more than one hint to Kong in there, a reference to Kong in the film. So um, it'll be interesting on that regard. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't think the trailer was great, but. Um, you know, seeing a movie like that on the big screen is always a, a pleasure because those movies are big, loud, and dumb, and usually it's just always fun to kind of give yourself over to the spectacle of it all, and yeah. I think that that's what those movies are made for. Now, yeah, again, like, if, if you're not into it, like, you can zone out quickly, but, like, if you love, you know, Godzilla or, you know, even more recently with uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pacific Rim, like, those mm-hmm. movies, you know, hit a sweet spot for some people. And, totally. And yeah, I really love those kind of movies. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Um, and then the last trailer I want to talk about was one that you sent my way, and I yes. didn't even realize it premiered, but it was, I keep getting the name wrong, but Brightburn. Yes, because originally so. it was supposed to come out this year, and it was uh, on Sony's uh, list as Untitled James Gunn Horror project yeah and but he's just a producer he's just a producer and then his brother and cousin uh wrote the script and the best way to sum this up is a quote or a a tweet from Patton oswalt who saw 
uh, an early cut of the movie that basically said this is Superman meets Michael Myers. Which is fucking awesome. You sold me on that when we went to go see Bumblebee the other yeah. night. You were like, dude, have you watched this trailer yet? And then you, you, you told me that line. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, okay. So I went home and I watched it. It was very late. Nevis and I were lying in bed. And I was like, watch this trailer with me. Eric said it was good. And uh, it's brilliant, man. This trailer rules. Like it's it it looks really really cool. And I'm so and we you mentioned this too. It's like, and I said this as well. Is like it's a concept that I'm surprised has it been done already. Which it has been done in like the comics of like essentially it's um the trailer set up like it was a Superman trailer, right? Yeah. Like it's well, it's riffing specifically yeah. on Zack Snyder's Superman. Yeah. I mean, down to the title treatments. Yeah. So it's basically it's a, a parody of Man of Steel and and. Um, this uh, this alien crash lands on Earth at, on a farm. And, yeah, Mon and, uh, Kent, Mon basically, Pa, basically, yeah. which is played by Elizabeth uh, Banks and, and uh, uh, the guy from The Office, yeah. David Denham. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and then so they uh, they bring this kid and they uh, raise him just like Superman, and they and they hide the, everything is just Superman. But then the twist is that this kid is 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 evil it's pure evil and like and that he's like scra- there's this creepy scene where he's scratching in the barn looking for the the spaceship and and they're like did he find it and then like um he keeps being more and more violent throughout the trailer and then there's this really cool shot at the end um of him kind of or well there's a couple cool creepy shots of him like hovering in windows like superman with his cape kind of like and this um, creepy mask ski with a mask and like um, bright red eyes that are yeah piercing out and and again like it feels like you know, you obviously the the misdirection is for people that are unaware of of what the the movie is, but it's you know Kaleel becoming Damien from the right. Omen, right? Yeah. Like it's it's like the Antichrist, right? Is a super is, 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 is superhuman, and yeah. and again, like I think this is um, perfectly in line with James Gunn's brand because you look at what he did with the vigilante superhero movie with super and sort of again subverted our expectations and i feel that this movie is going to be very much in that uh ilk in that Mm. sort of style of filmmaking where you're presented a concept or an idea that might seem just parody on the surface but is actually a much deeper and richer uh exploitation of the genre and finding new ways and to of a character kind of, yeah too, and kind right? of like maybe this is the the version of superman we need now, yeah. right like <laughs> this, this, this evil like i mean you might as well because Zack snyder had been trying to make superman darker and and more of a genocidal serial killer anyways <laughs> i mean like he snaps zod's neck he kills millions of people in in a battle in metropolis yeah. yeah yeah so it's like well why not take it to this degree because you're already going there anyways and there have been many storylines in the comics and and most recently maybe in um the injustice dc comics video game where um superman essentially um I think the Joker kills uh, Lois Lane and he kind of goes fucking crazy and becomes this uh, dictator of, of the world, right? Like, he's like, fuck it, I'm done now. I'm ruling you all. Like, And he becomes sort of like evil but he thinks he's doing it for the right reasons from what i understand and then we've seen things like superman red sun where it's like if superman crash landed in russia instead of um america and how that would how he would grow up there and and what he would become but this is interesting of just nope he's just fucking evil and like or that's what it seems and like that last shot of him uh 
the girl locks herself in like one of those industrial freezers like in a restaurant and he fucking uses his laser vision to cut a slit in the door and break it open and you see him hovering there like all creepy like with his cape like flowing and then he just fucking launches at her and it's like really jarring and surprising and it made nevis like literally leap out of our bed and because she wasn't expecting it right like she had no idea what this trailer was and And again um, like you're playing with the superhero tropes in the horror genre yeah so you know there's there's endless possibilities to really play up uh the suspense and thrills of of both both movies both types of movies so you know this could be the perfect hybrid uh, for a surprise sleeper hit. No, uh, and I'm like I think some of my favorite horror films are those kind of uh, deconstruction of the of the genre and of different genres. Like I love Cabin in the Woods as well, and and even the the Scream movies to an extent are are kind of like that. Um, but yeah, I, I I dude, this skyrocketed up to like my like it's early in the year too. Yeah, it's like it? April like, or May. Yeah, I don't know, but like I'm like really excited for this now. I know the director's kind of more of an unknown, right? Like yeah, let me a, look. I think up. he's done some VOD stuff maybe, but um, it seems like they're giving him a a significant like it'll probably still be a lower budget movie, but uh, it looks really cool. So if you guys haven't watched it. Uh, Definitely suggest checking out the Brightburn trailer because I was uh, I was kind of floored by it. It's a Screen Gems movie and um, yeah, and and again, like they're not always you know firing on uh, all cylinders <laughs> because they'll release you know a lot of uh, schlocky B movies. Um, it's uh, David Yarskovsky uh, who oh, oh he directed a corn music video. <laughs> Sick. Yeah. Oh, well, speaking of uh, going back quickly to Jingle All the Way, the screenwriter's <laughs> name, Rodney oh, Cornfield. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I brought that up to you the other day. Shout out to Rodney Cornfield. Um, Great name. Uh, brilliant, brilliant man. Uh, all right. That wraps up the trailers of the week. Really, I highly, highly suggest go watch the, well, both the Avengers Endgame trailer and the uh, Brightburn trailer. Uh, Eric, let's. Uh, There's also in... Triple Frontier, but, you know. Yeah, well, I was saving that maybe for next week. Like, yeah, we yeah. might. It'll probably be lighter. We'll probably have it far from home. So we'll, we might talk Triple Frontier next week, but we'll see how we're feeling. Okay. Um, let's get into some news. So. Uh, we got some award stuff we want to talk about. You're part of uh, one of our news stories, kind of. Um, uh, not the Oscars news story. <laughs> no, I uh, hope not. So let's kick it off with uh, this past week has been very weird for um, the Academy and the Oscars in general. So earlier last or late last week, right? I think Friday even or something like that. Um, there was an article that came out that was like, the Oscars can't like no one wants to host the Oscars. Like right. it's it's a job no one in Hollywood wants. Like it's just lose lose. Like it you're not really doing anything for your career to do it. Like no one wants to do this. And it's thing. a lot of work too. It, especially yeah. if like I know a lot of people are saying, like, well, why doesn't Ellen DeGeneres just come back and do it? Well, she's, you know, hosting her own talk show that she produces mm-hmm. and you, you know, can't just drop everything yeah, and do exactly. this thing, even if they'll pay you a ton of money. Like it's not just to show up and read off a teleprompter. Thing, no, you right? have to. You have to usually work bring with the writers. New writers in and stuff. And like, yeah, I, I totally get that. But getting back to the news part is like Kevin Hart was then announced yes, as Kevin Hart, star of Night School. Um, was announced as the host of the Oscars, and then apparently a dream gig for him. For him, yes. Um, Although I don't know if that is necessarily true either. Like I, I think feel anyone like, who said that would also I, who knows. It's who, like when actors say like, "Oh, I've always wanted to play this comic book character," but they'd never heard of 
him or her until dude it's all pr stuff yeah. it's fine um that i don't care about no but homophobia do care about. yes yeah <laughs> so uh classic academy fashion they uh just probably jump on something without maybe doing their research or right or i don't know or they just didn't care but um and again, I don't like the. It you, wasn't hard to find. No, by the it way. wasn't. Those so, tweets were so, like they just like five minutes after the announcement. Because he's was made. Apo- like people have brought this up before, and he never deleted them. And he yeah. he never really like he apologized, but they're kind of like half apologies. Well, even his like, apology now is just was like, kind of a half apology. Yeah. Like even him talking about like oh I'm falling in love with the man that I'm becoming. I'm like get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I know. So anyways, that, we're talking about it without actually telling you what happened, but. You probably know, but um, some tweets resurfaced from... Like 2010. Um, yeah, kind of the same, like the James Gunn thing of like, but different, I think, of uh, tweets, uh, homophobic tweets. And, and like, they weren't even jokes. Like no. you would think, oh, maybe they're just like old jokes that now, in, you know, in this time period especially are, would be considered in poor taste, but they weren't. They were like these offensive, like gay panic... Um, about his rambles. son or yeah, other people. rambling, like, yeah. Uh, like, and, yeah, it's, like, it's one thing if, if you've used um, uh, language or some terminology that you were just kind of using that you didn't necessarily... Uh, I mean, it's still not good, but, I mean, again, these seemed... Uh, Billy Eichner put it in a good in a, in a good way where he was just, like, there's something about it, when you can tell if someone's literally doing it trying to be funny or provocative or something like that, where there was a a sense that there was some truth behind these things, even if they were also sort of jokes. Like it was like, I think this is funny, but I also actually believe this kind of thing. Right. Um, which is, I think, different than the James Gunn situation that seemed to be just, like, I'm trying to be provocative to be funny, right? right. Like It's more closer, like, Kevin Hart and, and, like, you know, with Paul Schrader recently talking about, like, how he would want to work with Kevin Spacey. Like, right. y- there was a time where, like, you could see Kevin Hart actually put effort into putting those tweets together and not yeah. just, like, like, as you're saying with James Gunn, even though, again, I, I don't think James Gunn you know, in 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 in, prop, in in poor taste, it wasn't really that great to do. No, but, no, no, I'm not. But, but I do feel that, like Kevin but... Hart's tweets. There was some truth behind what he was saying, or at least a kind of like this is what he was actually feeling. Feeling, or, yeah. or this like he he is homophobic to some extent, right? And um, and people can change. Like it's not like we're saying yeah. that like you can't grow up and and realize i was an idiot then or, or but then why like that. wasn't that your apology right away yeah exactly and, and, and even if do that even if you've apologized before or you think you're apologized before apologize again yeah. like all you have to do is that exact thing go listen i made i use some poor choice of words or i used to think this way but i've i've have people in my life who told me that was inappropriate and wrong and that's not how I think now. And like, and again, I'm all about you can forgive people and if they've changed and they're a better person or a different person or they make mistakes, um, sure, to an extent, right? Um, depending on what the, the thing is. But um, even the way he handled it was like, no, I said what I said. He got like, on the just, defensive. Yeah, and which is never a good and thing. Then and then it became a conversation about, oh, well, you know, like what's, 
you know the pc conversation again where you know like well it's mob it's, mentality people just trying to find yeah and and, and it's it's for the art of comedy and comedy ha- shouldn't have any boundaries where i do agree with him there in the yeah. sense that comedy shouldn't have any boundaries but you should also be open to criticism and feedback that is negative when you say something that is uh, despicable or homophobic or but racist. A lot as well. of it weren't just jokes, though. Either. That's they the were thing. like they sending were... a friend calling him a uh, like an yeah. inappropriate word because he said something one way or looked at something a different way or whatever. And like they didn't seem like they were like. It's one thing to talk about that. Like I don't. I just. I don't know, man. It's just you can't. Ha- and then to not delete them like if you knew you said these things or you go back like if you're in the public eye and you've made mistakes when you were not famous or or not quite as big as you were or you used to talk in an un-pc way or use terms that now in 2018 like but even in 2010 he was still like oh he's still showing up in things he wasn't he wasn't a mega star like he is now right but but i still feel like he should have maybe talked to people like i feel like with any tweet you do if you're in the public eye whether it be a celebrity or an athlete or a politician like you should probably talk to somebody before sending anything out right (laughs) just just be like even if you could ruin your career yeah but even even if it's not offensive like just make sure like you know the grammar's correct oh, like yeah, things like that yeah. but um but anyway i'm just i'm saying like i i again when i was younger like it, but again he wasn't even young seven years ago eight years ago like he was still in his 30s right like right. he's in his 40s now right and yeah then, so like it's not like he was a young man like there are times where i like and same with james gunn when he sent the stuff out he wasn't a young man either right but like i know how young kids talk and we've seen it in mid 90s and that's sure i'm i'm sure that's still well, how, and a lot of shane black uh, stuff yeah as well. like it, that's just sometimes it's unfortunate, but how young men speak or how, uh, like, and people should teach well, them. Well, it's immaturity, yeah, right? Yeah, it like is. And they, like, I used to, I used to probably be very inappropriate when I was younger. And, like, I, uh, and I probably said things that I would totally never say now and completely regret. But if anyone ever um, called me out on that or, or, or something, I would be the first person to go, like, I, that is not me. Like, I am so, so sorry that, like, I, my sister and, and, and people who are very passionate about, um, things like that have told me when I was younger that you can't talk this way or you can't say those things, even though if you don't mean them that way, it affects other people. Or, um, again, I was never, I, I I mean, to be completely honest, like when I was very, very young, one of my good friends came out to me and I wasn't mentally prepared for it back then. And I was really mean and rude towards him because I was a young kid who, who this friend uh, told me finally of, of him feeling this way. And I was an asshole about it. And I just feel like I didn't have enough experience or I didn't know much. And to me back in the, in the early two thousands or the, uh, whenever this happened, I like, and I was, I'm still ashamed of that, but I was like, okay, I was a kid back then. But you're willing person, to admit you're, I have a, you're that you're person and I are very and, close yeah. now. And, and he knew I was a kid back then. And I didn't mean necessarily the things that I, I either said or, or tried to like distance myself. And like, I have a gay uncle and it's not saying that if you have these people that it doesn't, you're, it's you're, like, it, it's not an excuse. Like I have a black friend or something like right, that. Or, that, or like, I have daughters. Yeah. And yeah like that that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. Like that's all bullshit too so i'm not trying to use that but like i've everyone's done things that they're not proud of or that they're ashamed of or 
nobody's perfect. We say this all the time, right? right? Like me and you. And it's a great line and, in uh, Some Like It Hot. Yeah. And, and I just think if you do actually live and learn and apologize and actually become a better human for it um, and not, it just seems like he didn't handle any of this well. And he didn't, he, he could have easily come out. And I think even in the other interviews, I've seen him talk about it. He, he's like, well, they're jokes. Stop being so, uh, like a lot of times you get these comedians and other people that are just like, well, you're just being too sensitive. Like right. you, I obviously didn't mean that. And I'm like, dude, okay. Even if you didn't mean it, like you got to kind of explain that better to everyone and say that, like, I understand that that wasn't okay. And that like, that's not who I am now. I, Anyways. Right. And like again, like when it comes to comedy, it's like, well, would you continue to use your material from, you know, the 1990s or 80s that now might be dated and, and old fashioned in terms of the language? And, and I'm sure a lot of people would be like, oh, hell no. But right. But they still, you know. But we're not are, condemning are, are, those people no, 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 for no, that no, stuff no. back then. I understand. What be- you're yeah. Yeah. Because what I'm trying to say is also that like with with they're 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 aware of that like it's like i can't do that but yet they'll still go onto twitter and tweet something out like that that's really stupid and thinking like oh it's it's nothing it's just like either a joke or my personal feelings that will never really have any ramifications uh in the in the real world and and it obviously did um i think that kevin hart can be forgiven if he really sincerely apologizes and gets his head out of his ass but i look at people like mel gibson and kevin spacey and and people like that where like i don't think there's any way that you could really forgive those guys at all and like it and it's sad because like again we were talking about this before recording like Mel Gibson was nominated for Best Director for Hacksaw Ridge two years ago. Two years ago, and we already knew what kind of person he was before that. I mean, he basically spent ten years prior uh, ostracized from the 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 Hollywood community, and then it's like, oh well, I guess you know, it's it's a ten years he served yeah 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 yeah. racism and anti semitism and 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 misogyny is 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 a ten year waiting period. Like that's what that says, and then we can bring you back. So like it's just. It's a, I guess the academy just I I don't know what they're thinking or what they're doing. Like they need somebody to be like, you need to look into this before you make any decisions. So we didn't even get to the point where Kevin Hart, forty eight hours later, I think, or twenty four yeah. hours later, um, said I'm not apologizing. The academy just called me, like said if I don't apologize, then I'm fired. But like people know that I was joking or whatever, and I could it said get, he he uh, apologized or yeah. apple. Apologized yeah, I, I don't know. the way that Trump says it. Oh, okay, and then um, and then uh, a couple hours after that, he said he is stepping down from hosting. Yeah, the, it was a whirlwind kind of like twenty four forty eight hours. Um, he stepped down and he said that um, he doesn't want to be a distraction and um, he is not going to host the Oscars. And then that left the Academy to a point where people are speculating this week that they're throwing around ideas of either getting multiple hosts of the sense well, of like not two but it's not like two ver- people but like like a bunch of people yeah they had that once before in like the late 60s or early 70s yeah. i remember robert shaw from uh jaws was was an oscar host and it was like five people that were yeah. like uh recycled throughout the show and that actually might not be a bad idea to kind of turn it into a variety 
uh, piece because we're already they're already focusing on cutting down the show to three hours maximum and you know having uh, some of the awards handed out during the commercial breaks and to focus only on the big important stuff. Um, so I, like I feel like at this point in time they're 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 in their eleventh hour when it comes to finding a host because you need a certain amount of time to properly prepare material and and get a sense of like what you're going to do presentation wise for a show so it would be kind of interesting if they went that route and had like five or six people like why not have you know like key and peel do a segment and then maya rudolph and tiffany haddish do one and, mm-hmm. and you know it's and people are saying silly things like you know the muppets or what have you but um, I mean, I'd be down for the Muppets. I it's would too, ABC, but it almost feels like that like, window was kind of missed. Like, yeah, I know. Done I should have 2011 yeah, or 12. I agree. Um, After the TV show failed on ABC, it's yeah, like, it like feels... they're back to being like, oh, okay, unfortunately, no one cares about the Muppets Yeah, it anymore. feels almost redundant. Although Pepe the King Prawn at the Game Awards, <laughs> which <laughs> is a good segue, because like, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do, or they said no host at all. I don't know. but like, if Which, they... that's not a bad thing either, because I know, it so... cuts some time down so that leads me into i wanted to talk briefly about the the game awards which were this week and i won't go too deep into it but like as i mentioned on this show before i'm a huge video game fan and i was um uh, i was really probably more excited for the game awards than i was for the oscars and more so because i i i know what i'm getting in the oscars and and usually it's very formulaic it's uh long-winded it's um i mean it it is what it is right like i'm excited to see who wins but it is a lot of rich people in in suits and that go up to congratulating each other yeah Yeah. it's a circle jerk but whatever like um i still love it i mean we obsess over what's going to win every year and we love doing our yeah and we love doing our predictions and i'm not trying to shit on the oscars but i do feel like it's in a time of of not turmoil but it needs to change or needs to adapt or it needs to kind of um i mean and they've been trying to do that but they with this year with like do they just not think about things with the popular oscar and like do they just announce shit before even like is it a group of like five people who are like yeah let's do that well it seems like the board is in their own uh, like headspace and they and don't actually really... like talk to anyone no. or like so it's just very weird so getting back to the game awards it was a three and a half hour long show so still very long um jeff Keeley, who's been in the video game industry for a very long time and he was the one who created the game awards i think it was five years ago or so um because they never really had like a big public award show like this they had a lot of industry focused award shows um i think he's finally really really hitting his stride um with this show um he doesn't have anyone hosting it. He is the host, essentially. It's his Game Awards. He's presenting the Game Awards, right? Um, but they still have... Uh, they brought in a lot of talent to um, do the awards, just like you would have a classic award show. Um, but the way that they made it a um, a great event was that they combined it with both from a publicity standpoint with big premieres of trailers so why you were tuning in was like okay i want to see what wins game of the year between red dead redemption and 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 god of war and spider-man but like also i know that i'm getting new trailers from like some of the biggest video game companies in the world so imagine 
um, if the Oscars were this blend, and people might think, well, that's not what the Oscars is. This is selling out. This is kind of uh, who who gives a shit about this stuff. But like to me, it makes it more of an event for both the people, uh, the fans, and the critics, essentially, right? right? You're bridging uh, that gap. You're trying to because I think that's what they've been trying to do for a long time. So imagine if you partnered with Disney and you partnered with Sony and you partnered with Warner Brothers and you partnered with Paramount. And, and I think it would have to be unanimous. Like that's what to I mean. Like everyone, yeah. and then uh, um and based on a big movie a small movie maybe you do some indie movie ones too that are anticipated but like you get behind and whether you show a clip or whether you show a trailer it's all brand new stuff and it's kind of like the super bowl of where you're waiting for these these big big premieres to happen and that's interspersed with musical performances which this year or you just have that as your um, halftime show and that's when you can go to the bathroom sure um no i think i like it spread out throughout the show and then that that did the same thing that you're talking about where they had to relegate some awards to um, essentially just being announced, right? You wouldn't have someone come up and actually give a speech or maybe record it for later or something like that. Um, So, well, they do that at the BFCA because they have to, because there's there's so so much. Yeah. Which we'll get to that next during like before the commercial break is like, Oh, this movie won this. Right. That's what they do at the game awards essentially. Right. And I mean, I'm not totally against that, but it does feel kind of shitty for those people who are winning those awards to make it like, oh, your reward yeah, doesn't matter moments, right? as it doesn't matter as much. And like, yeah. this should be the time where I see who the costume designer is who comes up to win and things like that. The people that you don't necessarily think of all the time when you're seeing movies. Or, or but... if it's a special moment, like when, you know, Roger Deakins wins yeah. finally. And it's like his, again, this amazing career that's never been, um, you know, given this award and you, you, you get to see him, even though it was, you know, it it was very awkward. You could tell that he's a guy that likes to work and not be in the spotlight. But at the same time, it's, it's a moment that you really appreciate because he's been a part of this industry for so long and has never won this. And, it feels like that would be a, a missed opportunity. A shame for if s- cinematography was like, yeah, yeah or, or or categories like that that had somebody that's been nominated you so, know, many so many times, times and know. never had won. So the Game Awards, though, I thought did a really good job of. of they had a orchestra, like a all star kind of orchestra, led by Lauren Balfe, who did Mission Impossible uh, Fallout this year, and they also had. Um, the Belster. Uh, they had Hans Zimmer playing guitar in the, in the orchestra, and they also had um, some composers from some video game uh, soundtracks throughout the year also in the orchestra. So they almost put together like an all-star kind of orchestra to play all the music that night. And they would do um, a couple performances of different like um, kind of montages, musical montages uh, um, throughout the night. Um, and then... They had the trailers and then the awards. And um, I just thought it was a really well-paced show. And the other thing that they do really well is, like, it doesn't have a network. It literally streams everywhere. So it streams on YouTube. It streams on whatever platform you want to watch it on. You Twitch. It's available. Like, it's available. Like, you can just watch it anywhere. It's just online streaming, right? Like, um, so I thought that was really clever. And I think that is the future, really. Like, to still have to tune in and... And there were commercials, but the commercials were purchased by 
um, whoever. And, and I don't know. I just thought it was a really, really well done show. So if you haven't checked it out, I mean, I don't suggest that you watch all three and a half hours, but like maybe look into some, I'm sure people smarter than me have written articles about, I think there was uh, a few things of like, maybe the game awards is the future of where award shows are, are going. Um, and I think Jeff did a really, really good job with it. And, um, there's surprises, like not all the trailers, you know, are premiering either. Some are teased, some aren't. So imagine if Disney was like the Avengers trailer is actually going to be during the Oscars or which is tons of people would tune in for. Yeah. That's what I mean. Right. And even if they don't care, but then they happen to see that cost, designers um speech because they're waiting for the avengers trailer and even some of them will be assholes and be like just get to the fucking avengers trailer no one cares right but then you'll get people who are exposed to some things that maybe they wouldn't necessarily be exposed to um um if that trailer just dropped online in a traditional way so um i don't know i thought it was interesting and the oscars are in a weird spot where i'm not really sure like i always joke about saying a press release should host the oscars meaning just send me a fucking press release of who won just Uh, a giant press release comes into the stage just lets everyone read it yeah (laughs) just and that's it tells come up now if you want an award everyone funny joke off the top of the yeah the the release all right if you see your name here please line up on the stage and you will be able to have 35 seconds for a speech yeah um yeah so i don't know i'm i again we'll do our oscar predictions closer to the uh, event um in february yes um but it's uh always i'm always excited for it but I just wish the actual show, like the craziest thing was the, the screw up that happened a couple of years ago. Right. And that's the most exciting thing that's happened at the Oscars in recent memory. Right. So, um, it's weird, weird time, uh, sticking, uh, with the award stuff. Let's quickly go through, um, uh, let's go through the TFCA stuff now and we'll yes. save, save you for last. So, um, being from Toronto, if you guys are listening, you probably know that, um, that's where we're recording this right now and where we both um I thought we were recording this at Hollywood Cone. Where, yeah, Hollywood Cone shut down, did you see? Yeah, I did. Yeah, so tragic. Tragic. I hope something good goes in there. Um Hollywood Cone too. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh so I'm pulling up the TFCA uh announced their uh 2018 award winners um uh the other day. Um so I wanted to kind of go through there and get your thoughts Eric and neither of us are members of the Toronto Film We're Critics. We're outsiders uh, looking in. Yeah, we have a l- many, many friends and colleagues that are in the yep. uh, TFCA. Um, so shout out to all of them. Um, uh, they all locked themselves in a room the other day and, and tried to decide on some of these award winners. So, yeah, and there's, I mean, there's um, also a lot of other uh, awards groups. Right, we can't go through everyone. Coast, but, yeah. you know, Los Angeles, Seattle, New York. Um, this is the time of year where... Uh, you're getting the uh, critics uh, input and and I think I mean you know there, there's always conversations where like maybe oh critics are completely out of touch but out of any awards body or or membership I'd say critics groups are some of the best because a lot of these people us included in terms of just being uh, film reviewers and critics we see a lot. We see probably at least two times more than what a lot of people in the actual guilds and uh, you know actor uh, uh, memberships see because they're working, right? So mm-hmm. they have to. Cram Where our in job everything. is to see everything, yeah. their job is something else, and they just they essentially just watch the movies they're sent screeners for. Yeah, right? and one of the great things about um, something like the TFCA or 
Los Angeles or New York is that it also advocates for movies that maybe not are awards films, but are movies that you should see. Are great movies that yeah, sometimes... should be forgotten in the in the calendar year and that represent a part of 2018, mm-hmm. you know, and it's advocacy. And a lot of the times it's not necessarily, like I think a lot of these critics group play a game in the sense that you're talking about where they do want to spotlight something that might not... S- strategically, yeah. yeah. Strategically uh, that won't get a Golden Glo- Globe win or nomination. Glob. Golden, Golden Globe. Glob, that's another word, which I don't even think... We, did we talk about that last week? The Golden Globes? Golden Globes, no. Oh, <laughs> we're just skipping that. I didn't even put it on the news today. The Golden um, Globes happened. Yeah, no one cares. Um, no, I'm not trying. I told, uh, again. Vice I, was nominated for, what, six? A lot, yeah. Um, the Globes aren't really our our thing, really. Yeah, um, no but, one knows who the Hollywood Foreign Press is. And we didn't really uh, even talk about the National uh, Board of Review either. Maybe we'll talk next week, but I wanted to focus on TFCA and my buddy, my BFCA buddy here. Yes. Um, so... Yeah, it's interesting because they'll select things that might not necessarily get an Oscar nomination or an Oscar win, just to kind of champion uh, a certain film. You'll see certain film critic circles kind of latch on to a specific movie that they they might go, well, this represents Toronto or this represents Boston, and this is the movie we really got behind. So um, let's kick it off. Uh, I'll just quickly go through these, and I'll, I'll get your thoughts, Eric. Um, I know you – I think you um, – agree with a lot of this but uh best actor ethan hawk in first reformed hell yeah this is a great choice blessed uh, shout out to um our colleagues who who uh, did that uh best actress olivia coleman in the favorite um, um i i liked her yeah. in the movie but th- it's weird because like i'm still debating whether or not it's a supporting role or a lead role. Are all three women supporting roles? In no, I, I think I think Emma Stone is, is the, the lead. lead. I yeah. think Rachel Vice is is supporting, um, specifically supporting. But Coleman, I'm still on the fence about. I've I've been talking to other critics and sort of uh, what their thoughts are on it. Uh, Nathaniel Rogers, specifically of uh, the film experience, and um, it reminds me a lot of the Last King of Scotland, where you had. A two-hander with Forrest Whitaker and James McAvoy, but to me, it was from the point of view of James McAvoy. But you know, Forrest Whitaker playing Edie Amin was this big, larger-than-life character that kind of had to play both dramatic and almost comedic, and that's kind of what Coleman yeah. is playing in this. Um, personally, I would have probably thrown Tony Collette at the top of the the heap mm-hmm. for Hereditary, but I, I don't think it's not undeserved either i think she is very good in the film and she has to balance both tragedy and humor in such a way that is very hard to master and she's excellent at it and she's been great in in you know um bbc shows like Broadchurch and uh movies like tyrannosaur and even popping up briefly in in uh earlier in in her career in, in uh, hot fuzz mm-hmm. so yeah yeah uh, best supporting actor Stephen Yun in yes. Burning, which is yes. awesome. I, I I hope to see him more and more this award season. I, but... I don't know if 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 he is, but both Los Angeles and Toronto uh, voted for him, and that's a nice kind of boost. And and again, like it might not translate to a best supporting actor nomination, but hopefully more people will see it and get to see how amazing he is, and we'll get to see more of him in other movies soon because i think he's going to be a a a big star i think so too i Um, it's only a matter of time before i think he uh gets scooped up for some 
franchise or yeah. something. Like, I hope he still does smaller. Yeah, like some more, more well. stuff like burning, more character-driven stuff, more roles that are... I mean, he was on Walking Dead, so he was obviously already right. on a gigantic show. Right. But, but, that, but it also you have to look at it, you know, that again, that was at a time where, like, you know, it was earlier in his career, and I'm sure that he was grateful for it. But now he's, you know, picking movies like Sorry to Bother You and Burning and, and Okja and sort of, you know, picking stuff that's kind of outside uh, the the traditional box office kind of uh, milieu. So, um, Best Supporting Actress, uh, Regina King um, from If Beale Street Could Talk. I also think that's very well deserved, and I think that we will be seeing her... Uh, more and more during the award season. I think she actually is the front runner for Best Supporting Actress. And yeah. Could actually go all the way for uh, the the Oscar as well. And, and like, you know, years before there's been the nominees or the winners in the critics groups that never completely translate to um, the televised award shows. Like, I look at, like, Willem Dafoe last year for The Florida Project. He was winning a lot of the... Uh, the critics groups but for supporting actor, but then as soon as you know you hit the uh, Golden Globes and the Critics Choice, it switched over to Sam Rockwell, partly because it was a bigger movie that was more beloved than the Florida Project for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, but I think with Regina King, the performance is strong enough. She's been around for a while now. She's really, really liked, and I feel that like that's the, the the way that you can honor the film as well because i don't know how many nominations if beale street uh talk will get and i feel like that will be like this is the way we 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 honor the movie mm-hmm, for sure uh the rbc alan king documentary award uh won't you be my neighbor seems to be a crowd pleaser. yeah it's the consensus yeah. uh documentary film and that's not a bad thing either because again i really really like that movie um a very traditional uh bio doc but at the same time it's done very well and it's a movie we need right now yeah it's between that and mary poppins returns it's kind of like a nice reminder that and paddington too i would even say where you know you have movies that are kind and part of the quote-unquote nice core Mm -hmm. um and and again like there are other documentaries that are that are great there's a, a skateboarding one called uh uh minding the gap which i think is fantastic um and also uh, McQueen is really good. Uh, so yeah, there was there was plenty to, to work on uh, work from. Shirkers was another one that I thought was was quite good. So uh, again, when I'm not chiming in, it's just because I don't really have right. <laughs> I, I I do want to see. Won't you be my neighbor? I just um, and then with if Beale Street, what's really bad is I saw that movie. Don't even remember Regina King's performance at all. Don't even know who she played in the movie. That's how bad she played the uh, mom to the the daughter. Yeah. Okay. Like I thought it was overly melodramatic, but again, when um, in she the, goes to Puerto Rico, remember, like she has that whole sequence where don't even remember the Puerto Rican sequence with Pedro um, Pascal. Yeah, barely remember it. This is showing you uh, how tired I was in the middle of Tiff. <laughs> um, I gotta give that. Rewatch movie a, it. Yeah. I gotta give it a fair shake. So I, I I I literally don't remember much about that movie. Um. And then with Won't You Be My Neighbor, I want to see what I haven't, uh, I haven't yet. Uh, best animated feature, Isle of Dogs, uh, in my top five of the year. Um, a Spider-Man um, <laughs> literally came in at the last second and uh, pushed it out of my best animated feature of the year because um, I'm in love with Isle of Dogs, um, but 
I love Spider-Man even more. You you and you, you love, love dogs yeah. and you love Spider-Man. Yeah, so I I think either one of those movies is, I would be is fine worthy with, of the yeah. And it is nice to also see that um, other groups are voting for Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and not yeah. just leaving it off or not considering it because it's a commercial more commercial movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean that hasn't stopped people from picking a Disney or Pixar movie. I mean the critics groups right. are the ones that usually go outside of the disney or pixar yeah because i remember los like, angeles a couple of years ago was the one that voted for your name mm-hmm. you know and like they're the ones that kind of vote for the non-studio branded animated movies and they're the ones that kind of you know champion those that some of which end up going to uh the oscars and what have you but it is nice to see um a studio movie like i even like incredibles too like i think incredibles too is 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 top three in terms of the best animated movies Agreed. of the year. I mean, Pixar is always ama- well, mostly amazing. Mostly. I mean, it, more recently with the sequels and what have you, they've been kind of, you know, phoning it in a little bit, but um, this one was a nice reminder of how good a sequel from them can be, and um, in any other year, I think it would have been um, the a winner. Shoo-in, a shoo yeah. yeah. And, and it's just that, you know, you had both a Wes Anderson animated movie and this reinvention of a comic book superhero franchise um, that more than beat expectations. Right. And I think it it's the one, I think, huge surprise at the end of this year that um, I think everyone thought it looked cool, the animation style and everything from the trailers, but I don't think anyone expected to uh, be floored by it like I was too. And that it, it is... The it, writing in that movie is, is great. Yeah. And it won't get nominated for writing, but I think that that script... Into the I think even best ensemble, man. I was putting together our review today too, and I was listing, and I was like, "What's a shame is like when you're putting together these, these best ensemble um, awards and uh, some of these critics groups and and uh, and people do that animated movies never really kind of uh, get thought about there." And I just think that everyone in that movie is 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 excellent. But uh, check out our review for more on uh, Spider Verse. But yeah, I, I it's a toss up between like those two movies and i'm just it's it's interesting that a sony movie and a sony animated movie and a fox searchlight a stop motion movie are the the front runners for best animated right and push disney out of there um best first feature uh sorry to bother you uh really like sorry to bother you i would have went with eighth grade here and yeah I or fought, hereditary I, yeah i would have fought hard for either of those um but it is nice I, to see Bo- boots riley who's you know this has been a project that he's been working on uh since he you know was in film school in 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 uh san francisco in the bay area and you know to get hit to see him you know get this movie made um is really really special in in terms of a film that's about ideas it's about taking down uh corporations and and doing it in a very abstract humorous fashion and the weirder the movie gets i think the more or less you'll be on board with it. But if you are on board with it, you'll really enjoy how crazy it gets and how um, politically charged the movie is. And it's it's a protest film. Yeah. You know, totally. and, and I and, liked it. I yeah. Just... Yeah. And, and again, like I even think like um, uh, blind spotting was was a was a worthy movie for a first time mm-hmm. uh, feature. So, you know, there, 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 there were plenty of other other worthy contenders, too. Mm-hmm. But it is it is a good representation. Totally. Uh, best screenplay. Uh, it was a tie between. I don't like ties. That's yeah. the only thing I don't. Someone um, should have broken that tie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, between first reformed and the favorite. Um, that 
essentially means probably people were sticking to their guns and no one wanted to be convinced by the other side. Well, this so. is yeah, and this is also why I think they need because this is this is for both adapted and original screenplay, and you have An two. Adapted no, 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 they're no. they're just two original screenplays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, um, even though they're the. Um, uh, the favorite is using historically uh, sure. real characters, but it's it's using it in a historical fiction. Um, w- yeah, so what I think is one they should have adapted and original, but I think that for all uh, award shows, so you can you can get something that is an adapted screenplay and something that is original. But yeah, there's just something about a tie that feels cheap to both the movies that you have in that tie, it's like, well, you're good enough, yeah. but you still have to share this with somebody else. And, and I think both of those movies, their screenplays are very strong. I mean, the pithy, uh, uh, bitchy dialogue in the favorite is just deliciously wrought. And then, uh, you know, the more introspective, quiet, but calculated work of Paul Schrader, um, you know, bubbling to a uh, a final conclusion that is just utterly out there um, makes sense that it that those would be the ones that you know you would focus on as a, a writer's piece. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think both are worthy of it. I just wish one was picked over the other. You know, like mm-hmm. just you know make a decision. Yeah, and I think that happened with their uh, best director, best picture, and best foreign language. Um, so best director went to Alfonso Cuaron for Roma. And then um, they also tweeted that the overlap between best foreign and best picture led to the following out- outcome, which is something I bitched about last week. Right. That doesn't make any sense to me. So our own, <laughs> but I, I understand why they probably did this because I feel like uh, there were many critics we know that uh, were champions of burning and many that loved Roma. So they gave best foreign language film to burning uh, but then gave Roma best picture, which doesn't make sense because if Roma isn't the best foreign language movie, how can it be the best movie overall? Right. I rest my case. I win. But this is also a compromise. I, I think, think it is. It, I think it's like we love both of these movies. There are people who really love Burning that want that to be best picture. There are people yeah. who really love Roma. Um, if we give Roma both of them, that's kind – I don't want to say boring, but why not give – uh, a spotlight to another film yeah exactly and again it's it's a way so i of, understand why they do it <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's it's a way of of having a variety of of uh you know films that are spotlit in in the year of 2018 and and i understand what your criticism with the you know roma should win uh foreign language film to win best picture because i mean it's it, in one way it's like well you know that's its category to basically win like it feels like it, it should be fail safe especially if it is going into the best picture category as well but i can also understand people wanting to spread the love out a little bit and want other movies to get some sort of notice but it is also strange because you know with burning they did nominate or, or steven yun did win you know like what what about um you know movies like uh cold war and border and and you know shoplifters and things like that like there's so many other uh movies as well that i think this year was one of the best years for foreign language films in in recent memory but i think it goes back to roma and burning were those two because cold war i think was like their third choice yeah probably but um so those are the tfca awards uh again uh we mentioned way back in september that i'm not the i was wasn't the huge biggest i don't know how to word this i didn't care for roma (laughs) right Um, well you're not the only one so so. i i but again i'm uh 
power to everyone who enjoyed it and it seems like it's doing really well i'm not like angry about any of that i've I've grown up to to the point of it's fine if i didn't like it and if other people do that's okay um i love uh burning is one of those movies that weirdly i've said this over and over again but weirdly i was very tepid on when i when we finished it at tiff um but the more I sat with it, the more I was like, shit, that was really, really good. It's left um, a burning sensation in, in my mind. In my groin. Yes. Um, there, but. Uh, no, it's great. It's uh, it really I, it's something that I know it's a it's a tough watch, but I want to watch again. Right. Well, um, it, it's it's tough in the sense that it's it's long. Yeah. And it's very much Which was my uh, biggest criticism. At yeah. First. But by design, I think that it's it's worthy of its length. Um, it feels like you know the minute details are some of the most interesting aspects of a love triangle crime drama of sorts or thriller and sort of how it plays out and and again i think some of the best movies that are being made right now are coming from korea yeah um and 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 south korea and 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 they kind of jump between tones like it can sometimes be comedic it can sometimes be horrific it can be um thrilling and which can be weird and off-putting to some people yeah because it's like this tonal wire work that just completely is off kilter but i think that you know a movie like burning does it so beautifully and so masterfully that you won't forget about it and you remember you know these pockets in the film that can also be very surreal. I mean, obviously the, the one sequence where, you know, the, 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 the one girl is dancing. Uh, oh God, it's great. Yeah. And, and it's just, you know, the, the, the shot at the time of day, uh, close to the South Korean border. Um, it, it very much reminds you of something that David Lynch would do in the 1990s with like twin peaks. Mm-hmm. Like it's very much an Audrey Horn, uh, S yeah, moment. The dance. Yeah. Um, so that's the TFCA awards. Uh, again, Shout out to all our colleagues who um, put that together. Um, our friend Jake Howell's the one I, that actually runs their uh, social media, so I think he was the one tweeting uh, tweeting them out as long as I, from what I remember. Um, okay, I want to finish the show off with the Critics' Choice Awards nominations. Um, we don't have three hours to go through every <laughs> nominee. No. Um, it's a little shot at Eric. And, uh, hey, I, I don't come up with I know, I know, I know. I just vote. I know. Uh, so I want to leave this to you. Um, we won't go through everything, but what did you want to talk about um, based on the Critics' Choice Awards? What were you... Uh, do you want to share your own nominations? Do you just want to talk about the general? Uh, I mean, like, I think uh, I, I think I'll talk in in just a general sense because I don't want to take away from anybody's you know any, yeah. anything that's been nominated that I I wasn't particularly uh, the biggest fan of or movies that I um, that weren't represented that I voted for either because I don't want to seem like a poor sport either. No, I know I know you're not. Um, but but what I will say is that it is interesting to see how strong some movies are compared to others. Like having the favorite kind of lead is 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 really incredible. Just considering um, the movie is very dark, very British, very bleak, um, and also you know the style of Yorgos Lanthimos isn't for everyone. It can be very polarizing. So to see this movie out of all of his his work so far be embraced the way it was with fourteen nominations. Um, is a signifier that this might actually do very well 
um, for the rest of the award season. And I mean, below the line stuff, I think it was in in most categories, like costume and sound sure. and so a we'll lot of the visuals of it. Black Panther as well. Right? Yeah, yeah. And seeing Black Panther um, be embraced is, I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's a polar opposite to the favorite. But in terms of a big studio movie that was released in February... Um, getting the kind of vindication, uh, the validation of, um, you know, the the awards group like this, and and Michael B. Jordan specifically, um, I was really excited to see in supporting actor because I think that that's one performance that, again, like his work in Creed, could go overlooked, but that arc is so richly um, drawn from a great performance that. You know, it can be lost in that it is a studio movie and that can be taken for granted. Um, it was interesting seeing that First Man kind of made a stronger showing here than anywhere else so far during the award season. Um, and and seeing it get uh, Best Actor nomination and Best Supporting Actress, I think, does help its cause. Do I think that it'll turn up in uh, the the Oscar uh, ballot on, on that morning of announcements? I think in some of the below-the-line categories and crafts it will, but I'm st- that's still a question mark to me because something like The Right Stuff wasn't an Oscar movie. Or no, pardon me. It was an Oscar movie, but it wasn't a box office film. It didn't do that well, and then critically, it was it was more responsive than uh, First Man. But I think that um, it might be one of those movies that kind of surprises people that it shows up again at the last minute, where it, it makes its comeback. But I think films like A Star Is Born, Green Book. Um, are mostly safe in terms of nominations. They're getting backlash and people are raising I mean, their everything. criticism. Yeah, everything does. But I think movies like that are kind of built to play for a more um, accessible crowd to sort of broaden the horizons. Same thing even with Bohemian Rhapsody. And we don't like that movie that much, but you have to acknowledge that, you know, some people that grew up with queen that you know knew freddie mercury or saw you know him in concert were captivated by it's all they were looking for they, yeah exactly yeah. exactly they were looking for the traditional biopic with a star making performance and that's what they got and whether or not you want to celebrate brian singer because of it that's another thing um and i'm also just happy to see first reform do as well as it has been because again this is a movie that was released you Fuck! Know, I feel last like we saw year. it. We saw it. We saw it two tiffs ago now, yeah. almost. And you know, like it's hung on. And Ethan Hawke doing as well as he as he has been and continues to. I don't think Paul Schrader's stupid comments will uh, help uh, anyone. Ha- help yeah. anyone, but it won't affect him specifically, Ethan Hawke. Um, but it's just yeah, it's just nice to see that movie um, get the recognition and also Spike Lee showing up and, and directing. Uh, you know, because I think. Like it still surprises me that he's never been nominated for Malcolm X or Do the Right Thing, and I mean the Golden Globes nominated him for directing, which was almost you know the last time he was nominated for directing a, a movie for the Golden Globes was like twenty nine years ago. Right. So you know, um, hopefully he will get nominated for for Black Klansman. So overall, I would say that it was it was a good representation. Maybe it's a little crowded in terms of how many nominations are in each category, and specifically, mm-hmm. I was a little disappointed. That no women were nominated for Best Director. Um, I think there were uh, many worthy candidates. Uh, Lynn Ramsey, Deborah Granick, Tamara Jenkins, to name just a few. 
um, and and many more that it's just you know if you have seven nominees why not have right them? and you're getting behind movies like can you ever forgive me yeah exactly like, and, but, Muriel Heller who yeah. also it, like, that, that movie that has to be one of the most underrated aspects of the film is the directing of that yeah. movie she creates a time and place of the early 90s New York experience that's very authentic that's very genuine to the events of when uh, Lee Israel was forging those documents and, and, and that can be easily overlooked yeah and especially when you have six, seven nominees, right? Like yeah. you, you, yeah, I know it's uh for me, I like, I, I, again, we talked about awards in general and there's, there's so many different ones with the globes and the critics choice and the people's choice and the Oscars and the uh, critics groups. And it's, it's hard to keep up with all of it. Um, but I always, because I mean, I introduce the show every week with my BFCA buddy, but it's always cool to kind of see, um, I guess the critics' choice were never really on my radar that much until I, when um, I think ultimately you joined, or I knew about it. I think I was the one who might have even pushed you in that direction to to uh, um, apply. I mean, our our friend Bonnie Lawfer, who I worked with um, at Tribute, is also a member of. Uh, yeah, and there's a few people um, that are on the TFCA as well that are also members. Yeah, yeah. so it's cool to kind of um, see you guys uh, be a part of that, and I love following every year. Um, when you were at the award show. So it's kind of cool to kind of see uh, and now that they've introduced television, it's, it's, it's a lot going on at that show. Yeah. And um, well, it's uh, nearly a three hour show unto itself. Uh, this year it's playing on uh, the CW again on uh, Sunday, January so the 13th. The cast of Riverdale will host yes. the Critics' Choice Awards. Well, see, that's the one thing that they'll they'll announce the host, you know, like a week or two before, because <laughs> yeah. Olivia Munn was, was right. announced like a week before the show, and you could kind of tell that, you know, she didn't have a lot of time to really come to up prep. with material. So yeah. it was, it, I don't think it worked as well. And I think that maybe that's a show you don't really need a host. You can just keep the things Cunning. going yeah. by the presenters and then just, get through it a little quicker mm-hmm. and maybe just do like an opening have a critic reel. have a you know have a critic host yeah leonard man. molten man yeah get that leonard um, molten up there i'd be fine with that that'd be cool yeah i think that actually would be a good idea but again you know like there would be probably a lot of discussions about who should host it who's the best choice and like i don't know like again like it's it's there are some people like i i could see doing an amazing job uh, that are that are critics. But a lot of these people are uh, podcast hosts, like ourselves, or TV, or TV personalities. personalities. Yeah. Like I, I could see them doing a good job. They don't necessarily have to be a comedian. But I, right. I get for a network like CW, they want someone who. No offense to you or Leonard Malton or whoever, but like no one's gonna tune into the Critics' Choice Awards with your host Eric Marchin. <laughs> like, no, no, even I wouldn't. Like, I'd be like, what um, is this? So it's just like they want someone who goes, "Oh, I like Michael Strahan," uh, or right. like uh, Ryan Seacrest or whatever. But like, not uh, T.J. Miller. No, ooh, let's forget about those days. Yeah, um, although that was probably one of the best things that Olivia Munn did was she made reference to it in a. Uh, kind of cheeky way, so good. it was pretty good there. Um, but yeah, like like again, like it's it's. I always um, appreciate and and never take for granted how important it is to vote, and like even if it doesn't really make a difference to a couple nominees that you really wanted to get in, at least but you never know until you, you yeah, vote at least you're trying and you're and you're bringing your own personal taste into the mix, and you know sometimes that aligns with 
other people. Obviously, there are things on that list that I'm very excited to see there. Again, also another movie that that showed up more here than it has anywhere else is Widows, you know, um, and Best Ensemble and, and, and what have you. And, and there's a movie that, again, I think... You know, because people are writing it off as just an action thriller, a very well-made action thriller, but I think there's more to it, and I think it's just as worthy as any of the Best Picture nominees, including Roma. So, you know, like, it's just nice to see a movie like that find a place somewhere between all that stuff. Totally. Um, All right, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Another long-ass episode of Me and You, uh, long-winded, never-ending. We give the fans what they want. Brandon's still here, I know. Shout out to Brandon. (laughs) Uh, Thank you all for listening. This has been the 14th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. As always, you can get each and every episode either Monday or Tuesday mornings, usually Monday mornings, but sometimes we're late, um, or most times we're late, um, on podcast services everywhere. Um, If you liked this, um, you can listen to us uh on a much smaller scale uh review movies over on the untitled movie reviews podcast where we uh put up new reviews for movies that are either upcoming or in cinemas or streaming right now um uh, they're usually 20 minutes or less uh bite size kind of our initial thoughts um on those films uh so please check that out if you like that as well um we have spider verse and uh the, the house, house that, that jack, jack built up right now so if you want to go check those out we'll have a, a lot more coming up in the next couple of weeks and yeah, the holidays um, are, are jam-packed with they are and films. and to give you a sense of our schedule um we plan on giving you a couple more episodes before the end of the year. We probably will take a break over that Christmas kind of... Yeah, five I don't, or ten days. Yeah, or so. I'm thinking that um, you'll probably won't get an episode on Christmas Eve, but probably New Year's Eve you will because we'll, we'll bank a few episodes where we're going to do our uh, best of the year, um, kind of our top top ten films of the year and our best kind of our best performances and, and yeah and, and like most that. anticipated for 2019. yeah so there'll be two different episodes that will focus probably specifically on those and then if we get a couple more trailer drops we'll probably throw those in there as well but yeah i doubt we'll get much more news before the end of the year but you um, never know we'll see um so again guys thank you so much for listening uh my name is matt Rohrbeck. you can follow me on twitter at matt Rohrbeck, and you can find more of my work at cineplex.com as well as untitledmoviepodcast.com yes and i'm eric marchin and you can find more of my my work at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene. I occasionally do uh, an article here or there for that shelf. And uh, you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at EM6211. Cool, guys. Uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, thank you for listening. And bye. See ya.